Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Barry Blanchard. We've got tons to discuss on our show. Coming up at 3.30, Kevin Ives from Plainsman Parking Lot will be with us. Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live joins the show at 4.30. We'll have another rendition of Wacky Wednesday in the third and final hour of our program. Program, a nightly TV guide. We've got birthdays and sports and more. So tons that we're going to be able to get into throughout today's show. We will be recapping the end of the season for Auburn baseball. Their season came to a close last night in Omaha, falling to the Arkansas Razorbacks by a score of 11 to 1. We're one day away from the NBA draft. We've got some Bruce Pearl sound bites for you to hear during today's show. Uh, the Thunder Chickens got back in action last night. We'll discuss that i'm sure at some point during today's program so a lot to get into again jj ryan tom and barry here inside our studios let's start with you tom how are you today uh i'm good uh, a little beat up from uh thunder chickens action last <laughs> night uh i think we're all we're all a little beat up oh yeah from uh from it but uh, me playing third base for two games in a row and for anybody that's ever played third base in slow pitch softball the ball gets there very quick and a lot of times you get ate up by them so uh I'm sporting some new bruises today, uh, one in a uh, certain area that uh, we shall not discuss. Right. That, uh, I took one at the end of the game. <laughs> trying to get it. Trying to make a play. Trying to make a play. Hey, I, I, I stayed in front of it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I, I was not olaying any balls, but I... Uh, yeah, I took one to the balls, and uh, <laughs> it, it happens. And here we are. Yeah. And here we are. We'll find a way to uh, bounce back next week. I'll bear you the lead. We lost two games, but we'll have uh, more positive updates a little bit later in the show as well. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. Uh, also sore. Um, yeah, I had injuries last night, but we'll be okay in a few days. Um, I thought we played a little better softball last night. We showed more promise in the early innings. Um it was the five to three scores that changed the game. I don't know if you guys thought about it, but after the first inning of the first game, we were down five to three, and then right. we were never close again. And then going into that last monstrous inning, it was in the second game, it was five to three. So we were playing competitive the first couple innings, but then errors and just just snowball, yep. uh, especially in that in that last inning of the last game. But we also were missing three or four starters. Uh, so I, 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 by no means we're going to set the league on fire, but I, I, I'm optimistic. I think we'll be competitive this year. Uh, but it was still fun. 
Um, not as fun. The uh, legitimate baseball yeah. <laughs> professional and college in particular uh, were not as fun last night. Um, I, I We always knew it was going to be an uphill climb for Auburn once they lost that first game. And for any team in the loser's bracket, you're seeing Texas A&M struggling right now with Oklahoma. Uh, so, you know, bottom line is I don't want it to take away from what was a, a tremendous season and an unexpected tremendous season. And, and so I think a lot of people would have just been happy for Auburn to be in the NCAA tournament this year if you asked them in the preseason. And Auburn not only does that, they win a Super Regional, they get to the College World Series, and they win their first game since the 90s. So I, I don't want everyone to be completely depressed about uh, last night's game, albeit it, it was a disappointing game in itself. But yeah, a little tired, a little banged up, but uh, we're okay. And uh, I guess it's officially off-season time for Auburn Athletics. Yeah. Barry, talk to me. How are you? Hey, man. I'm, once again, happy to be here. I always love when I get to join the show. And you know, I'm not quite as beat up. I got to play catcher. So, you know, I was just chilling back there. But You and I were the most active, though. You we know, were. We, uh, involved uh, in every we pitch. Were. Absolutely. And that's why I, I'm proud of myself. I was catching most of them. You were. I, I got a pop fly. I was my crowning achievement. Just got to get some batting practice in so I could help on the offensive end. But I look, I'm proud because from the last game last year, I would say we are fire this year. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, from, the, from, the, like from me just coming in last year, we got to win, just saying. Yeah. And this year, just seeing <laughs> how we, we, were, we started things off in those early innings, like Ryan said, I'm like the Thunder Chickens showing a lot of promise, a lot of magic to be found i think later on as the season goes on <laughs> we're gonna improve we're gonna improve that's for sure absolutely and uh, we'll be back in action next week again the nba draft is tomorrow we're counting down the hours at this point until that takes place uh ben golliver of the washington post will be on our show tomorrow to talk all things nba draft today as i mentioned kevin ives from playing some parking lot will join us and cole pinkston from auburn live our guests on the abbey award-winning sports talk show in the state of alabama this is sports call Auburn. The end of the year for Auburn baseball. They fall by a score of 11-1 to against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Mason Barnett, the starter for the Tigers, had a tough go of it uh, out of the gates. Mike Bellow, freshman left fielder for the Tigers, had a costly sunball for Auburn. Lost one in the sun and couldn't quite locate it early in the game and then the Hawks just didn't look back. They put it on Auburn and the only run for Auburn comes on a solo home run from Bobby Pierce. Sonny Deshera, the story of Auburn's season and it continues to be that way as the Tigers go out. In the first game of the season Auburn took on Oklahoma who funny enough is here competing in the College World Series and in the first game of the season against the Sooners only one player had two hits, and that was Sonny Deshera. In the final game of the season for the Auburn Tigers last night, your multi-hit player, Sonny Deshera for the Auburn Tigers. All season long, he really was the staple in that order for Auburn. Yeah, the hope was that Sonny would be a quality uh, middle-of-the-order bat for Auburn, but he exceeded any expectation with the 20-plus home runs, hitting nearly 400 on the season. I think the best on-base percentage um, and, and the in NCAA. Auburn baseball history. Or, yeah. Okay. Auburn yeah. Base, yeah, he surpassed uh, Frank Thomas. History. Um, but I was going to say, you know, and, top, top of the college baseball. Yeah, yes, and the NCAA you're right. as well um, at, at over 550. And so um, he, he, he exceeded any and all expectations. And um, we, we, we don't know for sure. We, we would assume that he will go pro. And of course, the baseball process is a little different because. 
you can get drafted but still come back and you you know you have to agree to a deal and all that but um certainly what auburn got out of sunny this year was uh, was special um he was if he is only if that was his only year at auburn he was an incredible one and done guy for the program and again it was a big part of an instant rebuild that again last year's team was uh, the worst baseball team in Auburn we'd seen really like since first first year or so, Butch Thompson. And so turn it around that quickly, you needed someone uh, to step in like Sonny Deshera and uh, obviously his, his prowess at the plate. Auburn fans will um, – never forget we take a look at Sonny Deshera Kylie McDaniel with ESPN uh, last night talking about Sonny right now projected to be a third to fifth round selection most anticipate him going and starting his professional career does have one year of eligibility remaining should he choose to use that let's take a commercial break sports call continues in a moment Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Barry Blanchard. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll have our buddy Kevin Ives, Plainsman Parking Lot, here on the program to talk with us about the end of the season for the Auburn baseball team. They fall last night to Arkansas 11-1. to The season is over. What Butch Thompson is doing for this baseball program is outstanding. This program is not going anywhere. And you got to tip your cap to Arkansas. It was pointed out last night that Arkansas who now has 45 wins on the season. The Arkansas Razorbacks are the only program in America that have won 45 games in five consecutive seasons. That's how good they are. That's how good that club is. And now they're going to get a chance to beat Ole Miss twice uh, for their opportunity to go to a national championship series. But Arkansas has been one of the flag bearers for SEC baseball and the only program in all of America that has won 45 games in five consecutive seasons. And that's impressive because this league is so good. You can be a good team and not win 45 games ultimately. And I understand they needed to get really deep into the postseason to do that. Um, but we we're seeing it with just the team, just the sampling of teams that got to Omaha from the SEC because you had Arkansas that was anticipated to be a, a really good team this year. As you mentioned, their their recent history suggests they're they're going to be good year in year out, and they were, and they and they made it here. You had Texas A&M, who was not projected to be very good this year. They were down with Auburn as the two bottom teams in the SEC West, which means those two teams are going to fight and claw just to make the NCAA tournament. And then you had Ole Miss, who was supposed to have a a really big season, was ranked number one at times, and then they end up being the last team in the NCAA tournament. They they were in the spot coming into the NCAA tournament that you figured Auburn or Texas A&M might be in the 
preseason. So you had four teams there that were all kind of projected to be a little different in, in the season, and they all made it to the exact same place. And, and, and of course, the, the best team of the season, best team all year long, was not one of the teams that made it to Omaha. So the league is – really good at the top and, and that's no surprise but it's it's also really deep and you send eight nine ten teams to the tournament every single year that means there's not many sec series where you're not playing an ncaa tournament caliber team incredible what uh, the sec is able to do in the sport of baseball again 13 of the last 14 national championship series have featured at least one sec team fighting for it all all right what we want to do next it's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here on June 22nd, 2022. Let's pass the honors over to Barry Blanchard. Barry, inform us who is celebrating a birthday today. All right, let's get started with Clyde Drexler, former NBA shooting guard, small forward, turned 60 today. All right. He was the 14th overall pick in the 1983 NBA draft by the Portland Trail Blazers. NBA champion in 1995, 10-time NBA All-Star, All-NBA first team in 1992, NBA anniversary team, 50th and 75th years, and his number 22 was retired by both the Trail Blazers and the Rockets. You said 60 years old. 60 years old. Clyde Drexler. Clyde the Glide. Clyde the Glide. That's a pretty good nickname, don't you think? Oh, uh, I mean. <laughs> I would love the Glide. I, love, <laughs> I just think of that um, Michael Jordan Last Stand documentary where he's talking about, I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Drexler picked, I was going to say, so that was 83 draft. 84 draft was the big Portland mistake. Ooh. They all they could have had back to back years where they drafted Clyde the Glide Drexler and the goat Michael Jordan. So <laughs> you, that would have been yeah. they it wouldn't have been nineties Bulls, it would have been nineties Trailblazers if they had made that pick. That's a weird what if to think about. Glide the Glide turning sixty. Who else? Let's keep it going with Danny Green, the current NBA shooting guard and small forward. He is turning 35 today. Drafted in the second round of the 2009 NBA draft by the Cleveland Cavaliers out of North Carolina. Three-time NBA champion, NBA All-Defensive second team in 2017, and NCAA champion in 2009. All right. Is he not on the team right now? Danny? He's on the 76ers. Yep. 76ers. Yeah. Okay, then. I was about to say... um. Just my Someone go find him if no one had well, signed him. Yeah, say, yeah got, you need a three-point shooter. Danny Green's out here. Well, right? he he might not play basketball next season because he suffered a significant injury at the end of the, of the playoff run for Philadelphia uh, okay. this year. Did, did he officially tear up a ligament in his knee? Or I can't remember the official. It, di- I know it, it, it was, was scary, bad. and we were waiting on it because it was in their last game of the season. So uh, he, I, I, th- I thought it was like a nine to twelve month injury that he sustained. So he very well might not be playing much next year. Oh man. Well, Danny, heal up. No, a couple yeah, teams. Yeah, he tore can... both his ACL and LCL in the left knee. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Tough. You know, somebody who could definitely use some shooting service. Happy birthday, Danny Green. So we hope he's having a good day. Next up, Pistol Pete Maravich, 1997. Oh, he died at age four. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Former NBA guard, drafted third overall in the 1970 NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks out of LSU. Five-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-NBA first team, NBA All-Rookie first team in 1971, the NBA scoring champion in 1977 NBA anniversary team both on the 50th and 75th editions number 44 is retired by the Atlanta Hawks is number 7 retired by the Utah Jazz and New Orleans Pelicans NCAA Division 1 all-time leading scorer 
NBA Hall of Fame, College Basketball Hall of Fame. The NBA, he's an all-time leading scorer in the NCAA. Yeah. He's incredible. Still standing to this day. Pistol Pete. I wish we'd gotten to see him because just unbelievable numbers that he had. Pistol Pete, man. I think that had been some We've had Clyde the Glide and Pistol Pete today. Here's my guy. This is one of my favorites. Champ Bailey is turning 44 today. (laughs) Former NFL cornerback drafted seventh overall in 1999. NFL draft to the Washington Redskins out of Georgia. The three-time first-team All-Pro, 12-time Pro Bowler. NFL interceptions leader in 2006. NFL 2000s All-Decade team. The Denver Broncos 50th anniversary team. Denver Broncos ring of fame in 2019. NFL record most passes defended with 203. And the best player to play with in NFL Street by far. Is Champ Bailey? <laughs> is Champ Bailey. I like that. Is no one's touching him. Happy birthday, Champ. I got to, got to see him play a lot in college. At Georgia? Yeah, that, those were my last few years of being at Georgia games before I came to Auburn was Champ Bailey. So That's cool. Really, I remember him well. I think that's one of the most even trades ever is with Champ Bailey for Clinton Portis. <laughs> Just very even trade right there. That's my guy. I'm thinking about naming my son Champ one day. That's a good name. Yeah. And then lastly, we have Kurt Warner, who is turning 50 years old today. Former NFL quarterback, undrafted in 1994. Made the St. Louis Rams roster after three seasons in arena football. Super Bowl, what is that, 34 34 champion. Super Bowl 34 MVP. Two-time NFL MVP in 1999 and 2001. Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year in 2008. Two-time NFL Passing Leaders in 1999-2001. NFL Passing Yards Leader in 2001. Pro Football Hall of Fame, Class of 2017, and the Arena Football Hall of Fame. Kurt Warner. Did you see his movie? I was about to say, you just had a movie come out. I didn't see it. Uh, I need to. What is it called again? Do we know? Is it, uh, I don't know. Is it like The Underdog? Is it, Something is that, along is those lines. It's called? That sounds right. It is an underdog. Yeah. American underdog. American. A 2021 American biographical sports film. A sports. Sports film <laughs> about Kurt Warner. That did come out pretty well. Well, you know, I, I, I'm okay with Kurt Warner now, um, but he did beat the Titans in the Super Bowl. So it's like, eh, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that's one of the most heartbreaking Super Bowls to lose to. <sighs> Birthdays in sports. <laughs> June 22nd, also want to give a shout-out to the likes of Omri Caspi, Zoran Drogic, Cam Akers, and Kinsler celebrating their birthdays today in the sports world. In total, Clyde Drexler, Danny Green, Pete Maravich, Omri, Omri Caspi, Zoran Drogic, Cam Akers, Champ Bailey, Kurt Warner, and Ian Kinsler. All right, 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 to be on our show as we'll take this opportunity before we chat with Kevin Ives from the Plainswood parking lot. Got time for a few moments for a phone call. We go to the phone lines now and joining us, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is there. Hello, Steve. Good afternoon. War Eagle, everybody. War Eagle. War Eagle. Well, I endured last night's game. Yes, it was not the outcome I was hoping for, nor do I think most Auburn fans uh, would have expected. However, with that being said, I will not ever uh, forget this team. Uh, they, they, they earned my respect, and I'm sure everybody else's respect. And I'm going to miss this team because they played their hearts out. Uh, they never gave up. They never threw in the towel. And in the words of uh, Mr. DeShera, uh like he said, uh, I will never forget it. Well, I'll never forget this team. Uh, this was quite an experience. I mean, this was a team that the prognosticators, the coaches, 
at the beginning of the season, preseason, I said uh, we were squat. Yeah. We were doing good if we you know, finish above seventh place in the uh, SEC West, right? Yeah, pick, pick dead last in the SEC West. Yeah, so what do they know, right? They're coaches. Yeah. And, and, and Texas A&M, who was picked right above Auburn, also made it to the College World Series. Right. Uh, now, I got ahead of to Arkansas. They – they 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 uh they had our number last night, and I'm hoping you know in the upcoming uh, uh, recruiting uh, area you know that uh, Coach Thompson uh, uh, will find uh, some hitters because uh, we need some, and uh, hopefully uh, pump up our our, uh, our pitching staff. But I got to tell you this, guys. You know I read some comments uh, from uh, both Nathan King, Jason Caldwell, and they, I did not know this, but of all the 16. Uh, 14 teams in the SEC, 12 of them have baseball lottery scholarships. We're one of the 14 that do not. So we're competing at a disadvantage. Is that correct? It is, yeah. So Auburn has to work around that because so many of those schools have those lottery uh, in place to have scholarships, and that's something that uh, Auburn and Alabama have both had to fight against. Uh, And it's just unfortunate, but they make it work. They make the best of it, the most of it, and uh, we'll see if any of that changes moving forward. Well, is this set in stone? I mean, uh, can this be remedied? Can can we be on a little playing field with everybody else? Uh, if Auburn gets the lottery, then yeah. And the other thing that's <laughs> trying to the other the reason the lottery is so important is because baseball itself, as a sport, only has eleven point seven scholarships. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Not twelve, not eleven, eleven point seven scholarships, and you typically field a roster of anywhere from thirty five to forty guys. So the big problem in the sport, as many coaches are pointing out, is that they just need more scholarships they need more scholarships to be provided yeah. to their club and then it wouldn't be as big of a deal that there aren't these lottery funded scholarships in place because you wouldn't have to use them you'd be able to use your athletic scholarships yeah. for every school in the conference right and, and steven i want to jump in here because uh, you start kind of almost getting on the political side of things when you start talking about the lottery it's been the lottery has been brought up in alabama several times uh, and it was brought up very recently and it got shot down but one of the reasons that that, that happened is for some reason uh, the some of the politicians they're, they're playing politics with the lottery. People want, the, the citizens want the lottery, but they want it because of education. They want it to go towards education, and you've got politicians out there that uh, are trying to push the lottery for other things other than education, and so it keeps getting shot down. If they can all just put their heads together and say, and do like the other states and say, hey, we're going to have the lottery, and that money is going to fund education in the state, like it does in Georgia and Florida, I think it will finally pass, but they got to quit playing politics with it and trying to use that money to do other stuff that it's not intended for. So what you're saying, basically, Tom, is uh, the voters in Alabama have got to quit voting for stupid people. Hmm. Well, well, that, but I mean, you've, it, well, I mean, we could go on a long tangent here. <laughs> you you got to quit voting on identity. That that's the thing. Too, too many people vote on uh, along identity politics lines. You've we got need critical you, thinkers in office. Right. You have to you have to look at right. You got to look at what people stand for and and what they want to do and how they do things. And that's who you need to vote for, not not off of identity politics. All right, guys. Thank you for your comments. Real quickly, uh, I get the the sense that Deshara is not going to be taking his. COVID extra year. I mean, for his comments, he said, this experience has been everything I could have dreamed for and more. It sucks we couldn't win the whole thing, he said, but I will never forget it. What does that tell you? 
Yeah, I, I think just from what we from some of the guys that we've talked to, uh, I mean, he's going to be he's not a first round draft guy, but uh, he's going to be enough of a draft pick that it's going to be hard to turn that down. And plus, he's already been in college now past the time that he would normally have been in college. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably time for him to it's hard to blame him for wanting yeah. to start the next chapter of his life. And yeah. Move and, on. And, and also, I mean, he, he's not in any sort of major league shape. We've, we've had somebody that talked about it before, you know, how major league teams are going to want to trim him down. You know, he may want to start thinking that route. If, you know, he's going to have to spend some time in the minor leagues. If he wants a chance to play in the majors, he probably needs to go ahead and make that move now because it's going to take him some time kind of toiling around in the minor leagues before he gets that shot up to the pros. Well, I enjoy it as all fan seeing him play. And, you know, to me, he just exemplified the enthusiasm, the joy playing uh, for the school uh, uh, that I would have liked to have, to have seen in him. Real quickly, guys, tomorrow night, of course, uh, the NBA uh, draft. What time does it start? Seven or eight, our time? It is eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Central. Seven o'clock okay. Central. On ESPN, right? Correct. Okay. Everything I've been reading, but uh, the appeal is going to be wrong, is that. Mr. Yavari Smith will be the first pick to Orlando. It looks like things are trending in that direction. So we'll be able to talk about that with you tomorrow, Steve. So good to hear okay. from you today. we got to get to our guest on the show. Okay, I can get the hint. Uh, <laughs> what do you think his signing bonus will be, guys? A lot. A uh, lot. $10 million, 15? Jabari's contract will be something around four years, $40 million. And usually there's a, a, a team option that kicks in after the second year to, to guarantee those last two years. All right. Well, with that said, guys, hey, it's always great to be an Auburn fan. And uh, I tell you right now, you know, more damn eagle to the Auburn baseball team and Coach Thompson. We need uh, someone like him as a coach. So, with that said, thanks for your time. I know my time is way, way up. So, until next time, guys, have a safe evening. And War Eagle always. War Eagle, we appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for giving us a call. 334-87-3401. We do, in fact, need to take that break. On the other side of this break, we'll take a 90-second timeout. When we return, Kevin Ives, Plainsman Parking Lot, will join us here on the program. You're listening to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show. This is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ Jackson, Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, Barry Blanchard inside our studio. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. As we will use that Auburn Bank phone line now to go back to the phones. And joining us now, Kevin Ives, Plainsman Parking Lot at AUPPL on Twitter, joins us here on the program. And, Kevin, we hate that we're talking today, meaning the season came to a close last night, but the time is always greatly appreciated. How'd you wake up this morning, Kevin? I, I still woke up pretty good. woke up pretty – I mean, it was definitely a disappointing end of the season. But, I mean, you can – 
the only thing that would have been better would have been playing for a championship or winning a championship. I mean, Auburn exceeded expectations going into the season by leaps and bounds and sort of kept taking those next steps. That's what, you know, Butch has always talked about is like you, you want to keep building and leaving a legacy. And, and Auburn did that. You know, Auburn got that first win in Omaha and, 25 some odd years um, got the bug of a beat Stanford for the first time um, I think in program history um, who normally has knocked Auburn out of the College World Series and they've been um, but you're just kind of building you're leaving a legacy and it was just been a it was mainly just looking back on what a great season it's been and just how many people um, I think started paying more attention to Auburn baseball and sort of um sort of seeing just how fun and how special it can be and it was just a it's just been a great year and and it's just the it felt good to have um to felt to feel a little bit uh normal you know you had a capacity crowd um for most of the games um you had fans back in the stands and it just it felt good um and it felt great and uh, you know it's it's going to be it's a special year this will go down as one of the best years in Auburn history um and it's just going to keep getting better and better and I think that's the, the best thing for me it's just being hopeful for next year and the future of the program Kevin so uh, so so far uh, Auburn's been to two college world series you've had a number one overall draft pick uh, you mentioned the the fans coming out to the to the stadium they've been selling out games uh, just how big has Butch Thompson been for this program and, and what he's already done and what he can do going forward I mean it's he's been a perfect fit I mean I can't, I can't I can't heap enough praise on him just from the team that he took over and to the mentality that he's instilled and you know just the way he has been a just a, a salesman really for the program um, and constantly trying to improve and constantly trying to make sure um, that Auburn is noticed and is respected um, you know if you just listen to him talk and just get post-game interviews like it's I mean, I can listen to him talk for for hours and days, um, but he is a great representative of Auburn. He's a great representative of um, the university and really just of um, of just of baseball in general. And I think Auburn's really lucky to have him. And you know, with with him and Bruce, a lot of people would talk like that's a that's a huge one-two punch. And you're just trying to sell your program, um, and it's a little harder to sell a program in baseball because you're doing a lot more behind the scenes like you're going to all these um you know coaches conventions and um you know there's a lot of time that you have to spend basically on the road with your assistants and stuff like that um and it's tough i mean because you've got a lot of other factors to try to get a kid on campus um than you do if, if they wanted to come play basketball or football like you're competing with a lot more outside groups um and just to the team that he's built and the mentality he's built and uh, just the positivity around the program, it can't be understated. With Sonny DeShera, we might have seen the last of him in an Auburn uniform last night as we figure that he'll get drafted in the first few rounds of the MLB draft here this summer. Uh, what did Sonny DeShera mean to this Auburn baseball team this season? And what is this team like if they don't get Sonny DeShera on their roster? You know they'll be okay, um, and and they'll it's it's really just going to be a next man up mentality. You know if he if he does not come back, but I think the best thing that you can say about Sonny is that that infectious joy that he had playing baseball kind of just radiated, and it was just amazing to see how many fans encouraged him and how many fans got behind him. You know did the um, the Shayla Luna you know hand motion and everything and. 
he just kind of made baseball fun. And, and the, one of the biggest things that gets kind of overlooked in baseball is that it is a game. It's supposed to have fun with it. Um, and I, I think that he kind of reinstilled that into a lot. I mean, it's hard not to watch the guy and not love him. And and I think that that he was been he's been a great ambassador for the game, um, being able to tell his story about coming back from his surgeries, um, and just leaving this legacy at Auburn. It's it's just incredible. What element of this roster this season was most surprising? Was it the contributions from the guys that transferred in? Was it uh, some of the, some of these pitchers that that kind of got forced into the high high leverage roles this year? What was the most surprisingly good part of this team this season? I think there's a couple things. I think the transfers were were a big impact, and obviously you can't talk about the transfers um, and the impact they have without you know talking about um, Sonny and without talking about Brooks Carlson. Um, but you know the way the pitching staff or the way the coaching staff was able to um, find meaningful transfers and impact transfers. Um, that were able to contribute immediately was was fantastic, and it's going to be something that they'll have to keep doing in the future. I mean, that's the next evolution of the of the college baseball game. But to me, I think the the best thing um, that I saw was actually something that it hadn't really been talked about. But it's guys like Mike Bellow and and Bobby Pierce that kind of um, played their way into starting roles and, and into co- and contributing roles. Um, and, and it's it's guys um, like Ryan Dial, like Brooks Fuller, who you know are, are still you know battling and, and and still getting their their shot and stuff like that. And I think it's just the fact that Auburn would never really had to be super reliant on one guy, and that was the make or break. Like you had guys that would step up whenever they need to, um, and you kind of just saw that um, mentality in the team. It's where they played as a team. They played. They came together, um, and it was just fun to see and fun to watch. It was fun to watch the team grow um, as the season progressed. And I think that's one of the better things because you watch guys kind of hit that second gear when they needed to, like Blake Burkhalter coming down the stretch, uh, you know, closing out games, you know, after having a couple, you know, rough outings in the middle of the season. You know, Joseph Gonzalez really, you know, coming into form um, after battling his injury and stuff. And so, just the way the team matured over the season as a team is one of the best things that that um, I enjoyed watching this year. Kevin Ives, Plainsman Parking Lot on Twitter, at AUPPL is where you could give him a follow. Tell us a little bit about the pitching staff, Kevin, because you take a look at what Auburn could be next season. Again, this is so fresh to look at that, less than 24 hours shy of, uh, of when Auburn's season came to a close. But from the starter's perspective, when you look at somebody like Joseph Gonzalez or Trace Bright or Mason Barnett, all have the opportunity to come back next season. Hayden Mullins returning from injury. I mean, those starters look pretty good good going into next year and more experienced will be one of the bigger things too yeah i think that's kind of the one of the the bigger things that are that's going to come out um and really this is kind of the toughest part of the season right now is because it's basically hurry up and wait because you won't really know what roster you have until the fall um because guys can still enter the transfer portal um guys can decide to step away from baseball and guys can get drafted um you know baseball is kind of unique in that way that you know if if you want, you know, you could easily go to a JUCO um, if you were an underclassman um, and make yourself draft eligible almost immediately after that. So um, it'll be interesting to see who comes back. I wouldn't want to even speculate as to um, who would come back or you know why they would 
uh, come back or because every guy's going to make their own decision on their own. Um, but I think whatever the case is, it'll be a situation where the fall is going to be really important um, to kind of see, get your first look at some guys and get some guys too that maybe not, that maybe did not um, contribute a lot to, to at, towards the end of the season. Um, you know, maybe they were redshirted or, um, you know, they're going to have to take a year, but um, it's going to be, that's going to be the, the best thing to see in the fall. Uh, because normally in the fall, the pitching is going to be a step ahead of the hitting. Um, and you kind of want to see where Auburn is. And the good thing is, too, um, you know, Auburn's going to have an influx if a lot of their commitments, you know, pan out and don't get drafted or, or go the JUCO route. Um, they've got commitments from uh, about five left handed pitchers. I mean, they'll all be freshmen. Um, but just the ones that, you know, that I've seen so far, that's going to make the lineup a lot more balanced. And you're not going to have to rely on uh, the one or two left-handed pitchers that we have. Um, so it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, that's the, the best thing, the, how you kind of take the season to me when you go to that sort of pre-SEC, is that's really when you're getting these guys work. You're kind of figuring out their roles. Um, it's very rare that you have a team that goes from opening weekend to final weekend and they use the same one, two, three on the weekend. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see from the off season and then through the fall um, and then even the before SEC play starts next year. Who do you like to win the national championship series? Auburn's eliminated, but the College World Series moves on. Who do you like? I, I like Ole Miss, although Oklahoma, it, it's, it's kind of funny to me. I think Oklahoma is... Um, they're up 5-1, I think, uh, last I looked over A&M. Um, and in Oklahoma, Ole Miss series is going to be incredible. I mean, it's it's going to be fun for both teams. They've, they both got superstars. There's just something – watching Ole Miss play, um, and we'll be interested to see how they come out tonight. Um, but watching Ole Miss play, they seem to have really rallied – um, in the in the postseason um, and come together as that last team in and kind of fighting their way through and how dominant their pitching has been, which has really been kind of a bugaboo for most of their season. But um, you know, that, my my pick right now would be Ole Miss. Um, that's I haven't seen anything that would have a, a knock on them, but Oklahoma's been playing fantastic, and both you I know mean, both of those teams kind of have the the hard. The hard road, you know, A and M and Arkansas are going to have to beat both of those ta- both of those teams twice if they want to make the championship game, and um, it's it's just going to be fun either way. I mean, it's it'll be the end of the season; it'll just be incredible. But yeah, Ole Miss is my pick. Starting uh, at the top of the ninth inning, Oklahoma has that five-one lead over Texas A and M. I'm thinking about how crazy it'd be if Oklahoma were to win it all. Their softball team won the women's college World Series, and here we are, the baseball team three outs away defensively from having the opportunity themselves to compete for a national title. Kevin, we have always appreciated your visits uh, all throughout the season for many years here going. We'd love for people to follow you on Twitter there at AUPPL. And again, just want to say thank you so much for all your chats with us throughout this baseball season. Absolutely. And if you're in town right now and you're listening on the radio, I think the team's coming back at like 4, 405. Yeah. Um, so, or 4, 415. So, yeah. um, get out to Plainsville Park and welcome them back and um, get ready for uh, 2023. It's, you know, a little over 200 days away. So, until uh, next season. Love it. Kevin, we certainly do appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. All guys. right. That's Kevin Thanks, Ives. Man. He's joining us there on the program. Auburn's season comes to a close. The Tigers lost last night to Arkansas 11 to 1, but the future very bright for this Auburn baseball program. 
who knows a year from now they could be the ones competing for a national championship um and and for the sooners again to have the chance to win it in both baseball and softball let's hope that happens for auburn too right let's see if mickey dean and butch thompson can get their clubs to be competing there in the world series uh together that'd be awesome we've got to take a break on the other side of this break we close out hour number one of sports call here on tiger 95.9 Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. back on the program it's sports call tiger 95.9 fm our thanks again to kevin ives plainsman parking lot for joining us on the show a moment ago to talk about the end of the season for auburn baseball their season has come to a close and now we look at the calendar and and we wait it's the summertime and we'll wait for the fall season for auburn athletics to get started back up here uh, what we want to do right now again coming up at 4 30 we will have a conversation with our pal cole pinkston from auburn live talk a little auburn football recruiting catch up on what's happening busy month of june july is going to be a slower month but a busy month of june when you've got all these official visits taking place for auburn football and more but before we do anything else to close out the hour let's have this happen sports calls player of the week steph curry is sports calls player of the week curry led the Golden State Warriors to their fourth NBA title in eight years, defeating the Boston Celtics. Curry averaged 31.2 points, six rebounds, and five assists per game during the NBA Finals, including 34 points, seven rebounds, and seven assists in the series-clinching win in Game 6 in Boston. Curry was awarded his first Finals MVP of his career, making him the first guard to win NBA Finals MVP since Kobe Bryant in 2010. Earlier this season, the 34-year-old sharpshooter became the NBA's all-time leading three-point scorer and caps off the year with his fourth NBA championship ring. Steph Curry is Sports Call's Player of the Week. It's our Player of the Week, and it is presented by Eric McDade State Farm and uh, Steph Curry. I've heard that guy's guy's pretty good at basketball. Made a shot or two in his life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard. Yeah, he, he he can shoot the basketball okay. He can. He's all right. Uh, and yeah, he, Steph Curry's a cyborg. Let's just go out here and <laughs> tell the truth. He was made in a lab. They put him on the basketball court, and he's the greatest shooter ever, hands down. Well, then those uh, lab technicians need a, a round of applause because they, they about perfected it. Um, those, those lab technicians would be Dale Curry and... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Round of applause, Dale Curry. Um Winning that illustrious Finals MVP, really the last thing that people wanted to see, you know, him validate his career with, and uh, he was just tremendous all series long. He had one. 
disappointing game. Even in that game, he still had 16 points, eight assists. He was seven of 13 from two in that game. So all pe- like he is the greatest shooter of all time. But that's not the only thing he does well at all, you know. And he's always been able to. I, I saw he was like one of the first, if not the first player in the NBA Finals history to average 30 points a game, shooting less than five free throws a game. So it's like he's doing all this, whereas these bigger bodied guys would shoot nine, 10, 11 free throws a game. He's shooting four and a half free throws a game during the series. Um, so just tremendous. Um, second time in his career that he's averaged more than 30 points a game in an NBA Finals. The other one was 2019 when they lost to Toronto. Um, but but just unbelievable player. Uh, obviously, we, we do too many legacy debates, I think, too quickly. I feel like we, if we have them, we should let the player retire first and see the totality of everything rather than kind of add a few projections in, in there. But he's certainly at the table with the all-time greats now, and uh, he's just had a, a special career and a special and huge impact on the game of basketball. Congrats to Seth Curry, our player of the week. That's what I was going to say. I think that his biggest impact is the fact that he has changed the game forever. Like, the game of basketball will never be the same because of him specifically. I, I also – I like Steph Curry because he, uh, he he's not really – now, I mean, on the court, he, he gets cocky on the court. He's got his little things, but he's not just, like, over-the-top just jerk. You don't hear a lot. He's not of, Draymond Green, right? You just, <laughs> you don't hear a lot of bad stuff about about Curry. I mean, he just seems like he he does his thing. He, he you know he's obviously in the spotlight, but he's just not a polarizing figure. I guess is what it is. Like they're polarizing in the bad way. So uh, I, I like the way he plays the game on and off the court. He just he seems like a seems like a pretty even you know even killed type dude and. He can definitely shoot the basketball. He's kind of ramped up some of the celebrations in recent years, but they're still more focused at like the crowd. They're not like getting in other players' face right. informing them that they're not as good as him. Yeah. Type of thing, you know. And, and you know, they the Warriors have been talking a lot of a lot of smack on, on Twitter the last couple of days just because a lot of people were pronouncing them dead and a lot of people yeah. were doubting them. So they're simply just responding to all the criticism and all the doubt that was laid the last couple of years while they were injured and, and and not healthy and whole. But but yeah, Steph, tremendous here in this finals. They've won a championship before KD. They won two with KD and now they've won one after KD. I mean, it, it, that's what a dynasty does. You know, this isn't like a KD slander sesh or a Steph you know, put them holier than now. It's just to simply tell you the Warriors, that's what a dynasty does. They lose an important player, they still win. They won it before that great player. They won it after a great player. They won, of course, during that great player. And and Steph Curry is the reason that they that this thing all came together several years ago, him and Clay and Draymond. And so it's just been special to watch. Steph Curry is our sports call player of the week. You can read more about him at our website, thetiger.fm on the sports call page. That brings the first hour of our show to a close. Still to come, we've got our buddy Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live. Wacky Wednesday. Tom Peavy, the storyteller, part two. That's coming your way in the five o'clock hour. And right after this break, to open up hour number two of the show today, let's take a trip to Montgomery. James has called in. He joins us next here on the program, Tiger 95.9.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Barry Blanchard as we will take your phone calls, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 On our show so far, we've chatted with Kevin Ives, Plainsman Parking Lot, as Auburn's baseball season came to a close last night. They lost to Arkansas by a score of 11-1 in a historic season for the Tigers is in the books. It is over, but what a year it was to celebrate. Uh, the future is very, very bright for this Auburn baseball program. I want to ask you a question now. Okay. Another year of Auburn athletics is coming on. What is y'all's highlight from this year of sports that you have covered for Auburn? That's a great question. That's something that we often reflect upon, and uh, Ryan's going to have a, a little profile of that on the website here oh, okay. in See? a few days, which will be exciting. Okay. But being put on the spot right now, if I, I mean, probably the, the, the Auburn men's basketball team yeah. being number one in the entire nation for the first time ever, I think that's where you could jump to. But equally, so, I, I mean, I don't – this baseball team was really fun. I mean, winning a Super Regional – at Oregon State in the fashion in which they did. That was amazing, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of great moments. Uh, men's basketball <clears throat> men's basketball definitely jumps out at me. In, in particular, I think you just really have to, if you really want to, like, knock it down to one, I think that Auburn-Kentucky game, just because of the hype that was on that, the national prominence that was on that game, uh, just everything that went into that. I mean, Calipari was talking about, yeah, you know, they, they all packed in the arena because we were here. And it's like, mm, no, <laughs> back in the arena because Auburn's here. Uh, so if I had to go one particular game, I think that one really stands out just because of the, the national prominence that was on that game. So, uh, yeah, that men's basketball team, that, that was just – that was fun to watch. This baseball team was fun to watch. Uh kind of came out of nowhere no expect expectations there see that the thing with the men's basketball the expectations were there mm-hmm. they, they lived up to the hype even though they kind of surpassed expectations because there were a lot of folks that were uh not very high on the men's basketball team they i don't know how they were not looking at that roster and thinking goodness gracious they, this team is going to be amazing that was fun. That that Auburn basketball has it's a really, good question to ask, Barry. Yeah. Well, Auburn basketball has really kind of become the thing here. Hopefully, Brian Harson will get that football program back into the the forefront to where everybody is really focused on that. But right now, what Bruce Pearl and basketball is doing is is phenomenal. The and, highlight and, and what Bruce, and what Butch Thompson is doing with baseball is also phenomenal. The highlight of the academic calendar now that another year is in the books for Auburn athletics. What if I were to tell you, like, man, 
back in September, that 62-0 to win that Auburn had in football over Alabama State, that was pretty special. Oh boy! Well, and I, you know, that was early in the academic uh, calendar. Uh, There were some more awesome. Definitely leading a last-second drive to beat Georgia Georgia State. State. (laughs) Gracious, yeah, nothing football related. I was just going to add. I would probably say the basketball team getting the number one. Just how special. I mean, Auburn very well just watched. The number one overall pick play for them for the first time in school history. That's a really cool thing. But I don't. I also don't want to forget. I'll bring another thing up. Uh, how amazing the gymnastics team was this Ooh, season. That was um, that's great too. And compared yeah. to what the attention level usually is, it got a lot of eyeballs on this gymnastics team this season, and a lot of hype and a lot of great national coverage of the gymnastics team as well. Yeah, I, I mean, Suni Lee was all over Sports Center. I, I think she yep. had several Sports Center top tens uh, when she was scoring tens. Yep. Uh, and Pretty man, good to have an Olympian gold medalist yeah, on your campus. Goodness gracious! Thinking about how good that gymnastics team is going to be next season, because because uh, Suni's going to be back, Darian's going to be back. You've got a freshman coming in. There's one of the top freshmen in the country that is also part of the U.S. national team. Wow! Yeah. He didn't ask me to do that, but I'll make a headline for the story: goodness. Stars defining the athletic season for Auburn Tigers. Suni Lee, Jabari Smith. Sonny DeShera uh, leading the way for the Auburn Athletics Program. 334-887-3401. Let me get a comment from you. So, so check this out. If if Jabari goes number one Thursday, tomorrow, yeah. If he goes number one overall, I unless there's another one out there, I try to do the research on it. I think Auburn will only become the third team that can claim a number one overall draft pick in football in the NFL draft, the Major League draft, and the NBA draft. LSU and UCLA, I yeah. think, right now are the only two teams that can claim that. That That's, in, that's incredible. Yeah. That's, that, gosh, that is so special. To Out of all the colleges across the country, you might be just the third to sit there and have that accomplishment. Let's go to the phone lines. 334-887-3401. James from Montgomery. James has called into today's program. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about some great moments in Auburn uh, school program history. Just for and, this past year, we've been rem- reminiscing on the last year. And the list that I'm actually looking at is at the very, very top, Auburn and Alabama State. That was one of the best games ever and one of the longest football games ever in Auburn football history to actually go 60 wins and, oh, 60 points. Yeah, 62. 62 wins. That that was a long game. I thought that game was never going to end. It was back on September 11th of uh, of 2021. Yeah, it was 62 to zero. Yeah. So with that being said, I mean that was when uh, I think that was when our former head coach at the time, uh, Gus Malzahn, was head coach at Auburn, and I thought you know I thought that game was never going to end. I yeah, thought it was going to. Brian Harson was the head coach. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian Harson was our head coach, and um, and I thought that game was never going to end. I, I thought it was going to be in like in another overtime, and I I never seen any college football game like that ever go down. I mean, the, the other team didn't score, so there wasn't an opportunity for overtime to take place. But it did feel like Auburn was going to just score over and over and over again, and maybe the game wouldn't end in that way. 
<laughs> yes. And then with 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 our loss to Arkansas, I mean, we were trying. We, I mean, I can give uh, Butch Thompson a, a lot of, you know, hard work, but I think we were trying. We were trying very hard to come back. But I think next year, in 2023, I think it will be our year to actually win another another title yeah. the road to Omaha. That's what well. we hope so. We hope we can get back to the College World Series and actually win the national championship. That would be amazing. Who are your favorite Auburn Tigers? athletically who are your favorite athletes from this past year this past season um i would have to say this past season your favorite athletes for auburn were who um my favorite athlete starting at number one is Sanisa lee she is she is like you know she's she's a she's an amazing olympian she brought everything that she said that she was going to bring to auburn and i hope her i wish her the best of luck uh coming back uh next year and you know seeing if she's gonna actually win another uh title for auburn women's gymnastics as well um, Who's number two? Your number two favorite athlete from this last year? From this last year, I would have to say that will have to be Sonny D, our baseball uh, player. He, he's he's going to be uh, known as the as the Auburn baseball player of the year as well. So he's he's really done a lot this year and i hope he does a lot i hope he do a lot next year in 2023 what about number three you've got basketball you've got football you could choose another baseball player how do you got we're going to get your top five your favorite auburn athletes from this last year who's number three uh number three will actually be jabari smith and walker kessler for the NBA draft tomorrow, so I hope they do really good and actually go number one overall, and I hope they get to be picked for a great team this year as well. So is Walker Kessler number four, and Jabari Smith is number three? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's number five? And number five, that will be... That will be no other than... Uh, Zach Calzada that's coming to Auburn this coming up season. Yeah, he, he didn't play last year though, James, so you can't choose him. We were trying to think of your favorite players from last year. So, so would it be oh, okay. Tank Bigsby or would it be Bo Nix or would it be, uh, you know, one of the Zacoby McLean possibly? Jar- Jarquez Hunter. Jarquez Hunter, who would it be? Um, I'll have to say Bo Nix. Yeah, he was awesome. He was fun to watch this past season before he, he got hurt. Yeah, he was he was a really really good guy. Um, before he got his season his season ending injury, and with Bo Nix being up in Oregon, I wish him the best of luck. And maybe we might see Auburn and Oregon meet up, you know, in the national uh, championship game in Atlanta as well. We've seen it before, so it wouldn't be crazy to see it happen again. Yes, as well, because with, with football season right around the corner, I'm actually going to be watching the SEC Media Days and seeing what Brian Harson is actually going to say in the month of July. So I'm just hoping that we're that we're really going to have some newcomers on our team that I, that I never seen before or that I never heard their names being called. But 
for the newcomers, welcome to Auburn. We really do need a lot of newcomers coming to Auburn as well. And with the recruiting staff that we have, they've done a really, really, really outstanding job for Auburn as well. How would you help recruit the Auburn football team? Well, actually, if I was a recruiter for Auburn, um, I'll just have to, you know, say, you know, if you're going to come, I'll just talk to the to the high school uh, seniors, and I'll say, look, if you're going to come to Auburn, these are the main four key components that we're looking for. Four we're things. For, okay, number one. We're looking. Number one, we're looking for dedication. Because when you wear that Auburn jersey and that Auburn helmet, you're going to be edging your name in Auburn greatness history. Because with that jersey, you might wear, like, number one or number two or number whatever. Because when you wear those jerseys and that number, you think back to the years of Ralph Shook Jordan and uh, Pat Dye. And you look at those jersey numbers and you say, oh, somebody used to wear this same number that I used to wear. Or the helmets. The helmets tell the story because when you put that helmet on, you're looking through the visor of 150 years of Auburn tradition as well. Getting hype over here. Okay, so number one is dedication. What is number mm-hmm. two? Hard work. Hard work is number two. You have to have hard work, and you have to work hard on and off the field as well. Dedication, hard work. Number three. Passion. You have to have a lot of passion for the game because the game is going to be hard and it's going to be rough. So you have to have a lot of passion into a game like football as well. You might get hurt along the way, but you just have to, you know, when you break an arm or break a leg or, you know, you when you feel that pain, work through that pain. Play through that pain. Do you think you also have to have passion for Auburn? Yes. Yes, because with that on that second note of uh, passion and dedication yes you have to have passion for your school for your fellow man because when you're out there on that football field that football field is like a battlefield you have a lot of guys that you're going to carry on your back to a winning school victory as well so is the locker room the bunker Yes, and you have a you have the head coach, which is the general. You always have to have him. You have to listen to him as well. And when you're out there, don't listen to nothing else. Don't listen to the crowd. Listen to the inner voice that's in that helmet. Listen to some of the legends that played before before you and. Just try to find a nice opening on the battlefield and go right for it as well. This is kind of like when those statues talk to you and motivate you, right? Yes, as well, because with me being an Auburn fan, I've seen a lot of different things over the past. I've seen, um, like, I look at, like, old football um 
film from years past and I see some of the great games that we played like Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Alabama, uh, Auburn and Tennessee, Auburn and uh, USC and many other schools that Auburn has played over the years as well and seeing some of the great legends that walked the hollow halls of Auburn Arena and uh, shook uh, Jordan Hare Stadium and and uh, Plainsman uh, Park, Plainsman Park, and and the soccer field as well, and and many many of the students that that actually paved their way and edged their way into Auburn uh, legend history, like Tim Cook and many others down the line that are you know that are doing movies and TV shows as well that I've seen over the years and done great success for Auburn as well. All right, so we're you're you're the Auburn football recruiter. You're looking for four qualities. You said number one, dedication. Number two, hard work. Number three, passion. And what's number four? Yes. Uh, well. Oh no! I okay. need this. I need this. I need this. Yeah, we need one. number four. I gotta have it. Um. I'm sorry about that. What was number four? It's okay. So you, you remember, you're the Auburn football recruiter, James, and you okay. said you need number one, dedication, number two, hard work, number three, passion. What do you need for the fourth quality when you're the Auburn football recruiter? Okay. For the last one, family. Uh, family all in. Tell us a little bit more about that. Because when you come to Auburn – as Auburn is a really good school, you have a lot of family around you that's going to support you for your ups, your downs, your ins, your outs. And once you have that, when you're on the Auburn football program, you're going to have a brotherhood that's going to be with you for a long, long, long time when you graduate. And once you get your diploma and you see your brothers graduating with you that you played on the field with, on and off the field, you might make yourself an NFL legend as well. You could do that at Auburn. You're right. That's a reason to recruit the stars to be there. Have you ever thought about being a motivational speaker? Um, yes. I actually would like to do that as well. And I'm thinking about doing that sometime real soon uh, next year when I come to the A-Day Games in 2023 as well. Barry, I think he could be a great motivational I speaker. I am motivated to death right now i'm just saying like i was over here on like it made me sit up especially when he's talking about just putting on that visor and looking through the history of the auburn eyes i was just like man i'm ooh, this, yeah i felt the chills on that one yeah because for me as being an auburn fan a lot of uh newcomers that always i always see over the years they say why why what was what was so dedicated for you to become an Auburn fan. Well, for me, being an Auburn fan, it took a lot of hard work. And I took that hard work and I edged it just like I'm edging, uh, um, um, you know, edging like something out of out of a stone and I made my name and I edged my name with the Auburn legends of the past as well. 
up. I feel that. I do. I, I love it. I yeah. think that you have really exemplified what it means to be an Auburn fan. Yeah. And if I heard, if I was a kid trying to pick a school and you gave me that rundown, I'd be like, you know what? That's where I'm going. Yeah. Well, hey, James, I, you were we were listening listing off your uh, your favorite players from this year, but you left one out that uh, I think definitely needs to be top five. How about Bree Ellis from the softball team, SEC freshman of the year, broke the home run record. I think she's. Yes. Be- I think she was better than Bo Nix this year. Yes, I almost forgot about Bree Ellis because with me actually being a Auburn uh, softball fan, I actually got to see. Well, not in person, but when they were playing in the in the tournament, I knew she was going to be up there. And when she hit her first home run in the in the first top of that. In the first top of that game, I jumped up and hit the ceiling. Yeah, it was a, it was a good ceiling to hit after that home run was hit because she was sensational all year long. Hey, let me get you to do one more motivational speech for us, James, if you don't mind. Uh, we played our first Thunder Chickens games last night, and unfortunately things didn't go so well. Barry was uh, a little disappointed with how he performed. How can you motivate Barry going into his next game next week to be better for the Thunder Chickens? All right. All right, guys, I know we lost our game uh, last night, but if I was there to motivate y'all in person, I'm going to actually tell you all this, that one of my favorite quotes from my, one of my favorite quotes from a favorite movie that I still watch to this day is the name of the movie is called Rudy. And what I'm going to say is this, guys, if we go out there next week, we have to work together. We have to work together. We have to work hard. Hard work leads off dedication. If I was there, we will bounce back. Trust me, we got this. Don't give in. I mean, you can give in, but don't give up. We have to keep climbing the mountain to the top. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. That's what I need. Thank you so much for that. And tell Barry that he's going to do better, James. Tell Barry that he's going to do better. (laughs) Barry, I know that I've seen you on our our, um, winning team, but you have to hit home runs. Hit them hard. Out of the park as well. I'm going to do it. You know our you know our thunder chicken saying, James. Chickens, they cluck. And so we mm. say cluck up. Yes. That's our motto. Chickens, they cluck and we cluck up. We cluck up. Big Let's go, James. <laughs> Let's go. This is great. Yeah, I would like to play with y'all in 2023. I'm coming. Let's do it, man. The thunder is coming. The thunder is coming. Uh, The chickens are coming. (laughs) Cluck up. That that will be my nickname, James the Thunder God. All right, let's do it. James the Thunder God. All right. All right, we can make it happen. All right, this was great to hear from you today, James. We'll talk tomorrow, okay? All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. All right, that's James the Thunder God joining us on the program. That is going to stick. Uh, We got to take a break. When we come back, Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live joins us here on Sports Call. 
Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Barry Blanchard here inside our studio. Uh, we appreciate all the phone calls that you've had on our show, but right now, we want to use our Auburn Bank phone line to go back to the phones and be able to welcome in a good friend of the program. It's a guest. It's Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and On3Sports.com. Going to talk a little Auburn football recruiting and more with Cole as he joins our show now. Cole, we appreciate the time. How are you my friend yes sir i'm i'm doing good i appreciate you having me back absolutely thrilled to be able to talk about everything going on in the world of auburn football let me start here though we just saw last night the auburn baseball team's season come to a close there in omaha i know you're not the baseball reporter there at auburn live but i know you're certainly aware of everything going on just how kind of crazy how cool is that to see this auburn team all of a sudden make it all the way to omaha as far as they did yeah man that that was that's always a good thing you know Auburn sports all around are usually pretty good, but but that's kind of another level taking it that far. Kind of like the Final Four run that Auburn had in basketball a few years ago, and uh, I think it was maybe Bruce Pearl or somebody that said, you know, Sonny Deshera is a guy that that really made his brand for Auburn, uh, kind of like Frank Thomas did when he was playing. And yeah, man, it was just a, it was a good run. You know, it was good to see him do that. We're talking with Cole Pinkston here as we get set to talk more Auburn football. It's a busy portion of the year. Last time we spoke with you, Cole, we were talking about how, uh, you know, this is a busy time of year. July, the coaches get off a little bit, but June is really when all these visits take place. Kind of catch us up to speed on how the month of June has been going so far uh, for Auburn football on the recruiting side of things. Yeah, well, look, J.J., the the way things are going uh... – with with all the circumstances that surround Brian Harson and his staff and Auburn football and you know everything the state that they're in right now I think they've done an excellent job getting guys on campus let's see the last two weekends you had the weekend before last there's about eight guys there and then this past weekend you had six guys on official visits all guys that the staff see as priority targets not just guys they kind of like guys that are priorities and they're getting them on campus, and they're getting them on campus multiple times. And this this is kind of where official visits happen now is the month of June and somewhat of a new trend. But, you know, every new trend in recruiting, you, you have to catch up with it if you're a coach, especially in the SEC. And they've done that, and, and they've uh, they've been ahead of the game on the visits. They, they're still working to get some commitments, and uh, we think that's coming soon. But, you know, all you can ask for them to do right now is get them on campus and, and get them, you know, feeling Auburn get them to vibe with Auburn and and that's what they've been doing that, do you do you feel like that Harson and that staff are, are starting to kind of turn that corner because I think that was one of the big things that, that was the knock on the on Brian Harson coming from Boise he didn't have the relationships in the southeast that a lot of the other coaches do now do you feel like they're finally starting to turn that corner and making those relationships and developing pipelines around this area yeah, yeah. Well, the the Tiger takeover that happened in, or right after the spring ended that was was so big for the staff because um, 
they they needed to get to know people in the state of Alabama and Georgia, Florida, and they did. They really they really made their rounds and they made good impressions everywhere they went, and that was huge. As far as yeah, I wrote about this this morning uh, in a piece on Auburn Live. You know, there's not much else they can do at this point um, other than get the guys in for visits and and get them to like the vision that's laid out and the plan you have and how they fit with what you're doing, and they've done that. They have guys that really believe they fit well with Auburn now. It's it's a wait waiting game to go, okay, I see your vision. Let's see how it unfolds on the field. And that's kinda that's just where they're at and it's the reality of the situation. So I think they've done everything that they can to this point. Uh July's gonna be quiet because it's a dead period and then we're getting close to the season and that's when, you know, it's make or break time. Ideally, Cole a program like Auburn that's obviously a big name in the SEC trying to recruit top 10 and top 20 classes how uh, during this last month before as you mentioned the dead period ideally how many players how many recruits do these type of teams like Auburn want to bring in each week during the month of June well uh, you see places you know you see a lot of places like Alabama Tennessee having these big official visit weekends where they'll have 10 to 15 guys and that's always a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Auburn's, Auburn's had some weekends where they brought in, you know, 10 or so guys. Um, but they also like to bring in one or two guys and spend time getting to know them, uh, you know, showing them what Auburn is like and having a more personal visit with them. So they've done both. I think they've done a good job of doing both of those. They've had midweek visits, not just weekend visits. They've got that going on right now as we speak. Um, so yeah, I mean they're just they've they've used their time well. I think they they've gotten guys to visit multiple times, and I've been pretty impressed with that aspect of it. So far, we've just got two commitments right now for this Auburn class. You take a look at the 2023 Auburn commits, and you can see a wonderful layout of everything at AuburnLive.com. Again, our guest right now is Cole Pinkston, their recruiting analyst for the Auburn Tigers. Let's get into some of these specific names. Official visits coming up. Like, what's what's a name to be watching now for Auburn? We know Brock Lynn has been a trendy one as well, but maybe spotlight somebody else too, Cole. Yeah, well, well, upcoming official visits, you, you still got uh, two five-stars from Montgomery, Quay Rousseau and Edge, and James Smith, a defensive lineman, uh, two guys that Auburn, you know, is really working hard on. They're, it, they got kind of an uphill climb. I mean, that's just the case with five-stars. Uh, and you have Alabama, Georgia, Clemson in your backyard. Uh, but those two guys are going to officially visit next weekend, I believe. And... Uh, this week you had Carmelo English, a four-star wide receiver from Phoenix City, Alabama, take a midweek official visit, and he's, he's making his decision in July, July 2nd, actually. So Auburn likes where they sit there, and I think, I think they're in a good spot as well um, for a playmaker at receiver, something they desperately need in this class. And then, like you mentioned, Brock Glenn, uh, he's probably going to have a decision before July. And the sooner the better for Auburn, I think. He did just visit Ohio State, got the offer there. Uh, I think that just speaks to how well Brian Harson, Eric Keesaw, the coaching staff, evaluates talent. They were on him way before, and I think that's going to pay off with Brock Glenn. Cole, what is in the water over there at Central Phoenix City for that wide receiver? I mean, you talk about Justin Ross and E.J. Williams, and now you're saying Carmelo English could be the next line of receivers coming out of that yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good, man. He's, I don't know. It, they, they just have a lot of talent over there in that area. It, it's even brought up the question, you know, why has Auburn missed on some of these guys in the Central Phoenix City 
school area and the Columbus, Georgia, that area of the country, it seems like it should be easier for Auburn to win those guys because it's 30 minutes down the road. Well, that's what Tiger Takeover was for, uh, which just to explain that, that's when the coaches got out on the road and visited schools. And I know for a fact they stopped in all the schools in that area multiple times during that time. So they're really trying to make an impact there. They're trying to flip the switch there, not let those guys get away to Clemson like they have in the past. And uh, Carmelo English, to me, that feels like the start of, you know, trying to get those guys to come to Auburn. Do we have a Big Cat weekend coming up, Cole? Is that still a thing? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be the end of July. Okay. I think the 24th. Not sure on the date, but it's going to be at the end of July. Re- refresh our memories. Tell us the, the significance, the impact of what Big Cat Weekend is. Well, you know, right now we were talking about this on our live show last night um, with Jeffrey Lee, mm-hmm. our other recruiting expert. And there's a streak going on at Auburn right now where they've gotten commitments at Big Cat Weekend. Uh, last year, you had four-star running back Damari Austin. He he decided to jump in the boat during Big Cat Weekend in front of everyone, and it made a big impression, and he was a popular guy at the time as well. So um, we would not be surprised at all if that happened again. The last three or four years, that's happened. So that, that's kind of what this event is. It's, it's a, good, a good time for, you know, families to come together and and the staff wants to have personal time with each of these guys and their families and uh, of course they've already they're already way out in front of this by building these relationships they have over the spring and over the summer with official visits and the unofficial visits so it it should be it's it's interestingly timed usually it's in june uh, but they've moved it back this year and it may work out for the better that way just because they have these relationships built and it can it can really be a good little reunion for a lot of guys we'll certainly see what happens and we know that you're going to have the best coverage along the way and talking about building a team you guys are certainly doing that over at auburn live now keith Niebuhr is joining the party as well i mean it's it's like free agency at this time it feels like and uh the super teams are being formed and you guys certainly have one over there at auburn live cole yeah thank you man we, we appreciate it keith is an amazing addition man he is he is the goat, as some call him. <laughs> you guys always have awesome deals that are going on and that sort of thing. So tell us how we could sign up and, and see all your work over there. Yeah, man. Right now, um, we still got the deal going on. Uh, we're calling it a flash sale. One dollar for a whole year. I mean, guys, Holy it's a dollar. <laughs> you can't beat it, man. You can't beat it. And, and we got all the coverage. Auburn recruiting. We've been on baseball lately, you know, with everything going on, and we were all over that. Uh, we're about to jump back into recruiting, and we're going to talk preseason football, and we have all that going on, and it's analysis, breakdown, news, everything, man, everything. And you've got some personal stories that you do from time to time over there as well, columns and recruiting thoughts, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I call it unfiltered thoughts where that's, that's one of my main ones, and that's where I kind of – Instead of just giving you the news, uh, I talk about the latest and give my opinion on it and, and sort of break it down. I didn't know if we had any alliterations that you could come up with with Pinkston or anything like that, Cole, to, to kind of pull me in. It, yeah, one time it was Pink's perspective. We had that going. Okay, back. I like that. I like that. Well, <laughs> all the reason to go support you, what you got going on on Twitter, at Cole Pinkston and AuburnLife.com. The time is always greatly appreciated. Thanks for taking the call today. 
Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. That's Cole Pinkston. He's joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Busy time of year for those guys, and uh, recruiting never stops. This Auburn staff is behind, obviously, going into their second season together, and you want to be able to put together a great recruiting class. Good vibes right now. Carmelo English, potentially. Central Phoenix City, a couple of wide receivers there for Clemson. About time they start playing for Auburn. It's so close, after all. We'll see if that can happen. All right, let's take a quick timeout. We close out the second hour of our program right after this on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. This is Jake Crane, host of The J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ, Tom, Ryan, and Barry inside our studio. We've got Wacky Wednesday coming up in the third and final hour of our program here today. You can give us a call, 334-887-3401. Thanks again to Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live for joining us on the show. One dollar for an entire year of coverage from the folks over at Auburn Live. And, uh, yeah, make sure you check it out. Support them. They've got awesome things going on. Before we get to the final hour and before we have a little bit of fun, uh, we haven't had a time to touch on this just yet, but folks are really concerned and wondering, I'm sure. Uh, it's the Thunder Chickens Report. <laughs> it's the TCR is what we're going to call it. Our Thunder Chickens Report. and um, Not too good. Yeah. We, uh, we, we opened up the season last night. We lost twice. Barry. Yes. It was uh, your first time starting the year with us. All right. We had to pick you up for the very last week of the season. Uh, and, and, and I so will always say, you got a W when you did that. Yes, right? we did. It was, a, it was by forfeit. A but a win. Uh, it was the first time that you got to play wearing actual Thunder Chickens apparel. Tell me how you felt, man. You know, I was nervous because I'm not really a big baseball, softball guy. I was more worried about catching the ball. Um, got out there. Me and Tom threw the ball around a little bit. Felt good. I was going to say, weren't you warming up with Tom? I did. Yeah. I did. Felt good. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm catching more of these and I'm dropping. So I think we're going to have a good day. Um, and we did. You know, we, st- we, st- we started off strong both games every time. So I was like, you know, it's like it gives me a lot of hope as we move forward. But, you know, it's those, those later innings that just seem to get us. We just got to finish the way we start. And something special is brewing over here. You had mentioned the pop-up that you had caught? I did. I did. You know, it's like those are my moments I live for. It's just like I can, I can make a difference. Those three outs are always tough to come by. So if I can just make any type of effort, any type of just commitment to the, to the mission, I feel very accomplished, so I was able to do that. Um, now I just got to work on my, my batting practice, so next time there is one, I'll just be out there swinging. Just making over and over, over and over, and over, and over, over trying again. To, trying to find that rhythm, find that groove, and I know I'll get better as time goes on. Um, so that's all I got really for you right now. Just Tom, getting. what do you got? 
Like, Barry made me feel good when we were warming up. We were jogging off, and he goes, you must have played baseball before. <laughs> like, hey, like, I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see some uh, some improvements on the team. Um, a lot more improvements need to happen. I, I'll be curious to see what happens when we're full steam with our, with our roster of – uh, especially some of the new guys we've got coming in. Uh, I know I've got a guy from uh, from Southwest Fire Department uh, that's going to be joining us. He was not able to be there this weekend, but he's already hit a home run in practice. I watched him hit a – I played a softball game with him uh, with some of the Auburn Fire guys and watched him hit a home run. So I know he's got power to, to go yard, and he's just a good athlete. So he's going to be valuable. You know some of the other guys that are coming in. I'm not as familiar with them, but uh, they seem like the athletic type. And uh, it'll be curious to see uh, what happens with that. Now, for my play, uh, it was kind of a mixed bag of stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, I hate to admit this, but I did strike out swinging in the first game. I don't know that I have ever in my life done that in slow pitch softball, but I just – the guy threw one. I should have let it go because it was going to be a ball and I would have drawn a walk because it was short of the plate. But I tried to reach out. At the out. moment, you went for it. At, at the moment, I reached out and, and tried to do something with it and just missed. And so that was kind of embarrassing. But I uh, made some plays, um, made some not You went two for two in the second game. Two for two in the second game. Uh, did I get a couple of RBIs in that. I, I think there were some guys on base when I, when I went two for two, I thought. Maybe not. I don't believe I you, so. I, I don't think believe you brought so. in our first run. No, because he no. he singled to load the bases, and then I came up and drove two guys in, okay. and that's how we got on the board there. Gotcha. Yeah, we threw on the stop signs there when you, you uh, when you got that knock. Yeah. So uh, and then uh, defensive wise, uh, made some plays and then had some other hot shots that uh, I was able to stay in front of and knock them down. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, when you're playing on the infield in slow pitch softball, you you have to be you pretty much have to be ready to knock a ball down because they, they, they come so fast that a lot of times you don't have a chance to get your glove in front of it. And I took one off the uh, left thigh that uh, just, like I said, hot shot. I wasn't able to get the glove down to it quick enough and got me in the thigh. Uh, took another one uh, squared up that took a hop and hit me in the chest. Uh, and then uh, there towards the end, I had another one jump up on me and caught me uh, – you know, we'll just say just inside the left part of my thigh. Yeah. <laughs> and may have nicked a little something yeah, there. we'll leave it there. And uh, so, uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's fun. It's always fun to I'm go out I'm excited for the season. Yeah. I really am it's excited. It's a lot, lot of fun to go out there. Mr. Lavoie. Well, um, other than uh, hurting my wrist a little bit, which I think is going to be okay ultimately, and – Having a strawberry the size of a softball after I slid um, into third base, I pinch ran for Tom after that hit. You're talking about the bases loaded here. Yeah. yeah. And I did the correct thing as a base runner rounding second. I saw the ball go through the cutoff man, but the catcher still came up for it. And so it was a close play at third, and I was not about to get thrown out, period. And so I. I slid and I hurt. Um, that slide is going to flash in my head for the I, rest I, of the I season. I said it was my highlight. Like, I was like, that was beautiful. Like all the dust, out uh, effort, the ruined. dust, uh, the, the just making it right in time. Like that's baseball. Ru- ruin, that's ruin the clothing. Um, 
Man, I, wash out. I, I, well, I washed uh, the shorts twice last night and still got some dirt on the back. Uh, um, do I need I mean, to teach I you had, how to do that? I had dirt and blood. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. No, no, you go shout and you, you have <laughs> Well, they actually have a – it's a CLR that is that, uh, in a spray bottle, and you, like, spray it all down with that CLR and just let it sit and soak <laughs> through that stain, and then you wash it. Isn't that for bathtubs? Uh, it can't be, but there is an uh, actual CLR that is a sports stain remover. Let's get back uh, to the, softball. Anyway, um, <laughs> maybe uh, later into yeah. middle length of that. But anyway, so um, I was a little disappointed in my play. I hit a ball hard in that last step out of the game. It was right at somebody and um, was only on base twice throughout the throughout the night. But um, yeah, just getting back in the swing of things. We were competitive early in games and just over time it, it uh, spaced out on us but um i think that we've gone we've got three or four good players coming in so hopefully uh, hopefully we can put it all together and um you know i don't know what the reasonable expectation for a record is but i think we'll be more definitely more competitive than last year i think in some ways we kind of already were last night double the win amount this year yeah. that's well, cool i i think the, the first team that we played is a team that we can beat. I was going to say, the first team we played, if we were to play them ten times, how many times do you think we could beat them? Four. And if, then, if the, we had and then the same well, question. I would say, I would say with a full roster. Because we also – you got to yeah, – I mean, yeah. we got to be 18 to six. Yeah. Yep. So, I would say full roster. I I think that we can beat them – I. Honestly, with a full roster, just I don't know the guys that are coming in there, but I mean, if we just got the full roster, I could see a team like that. We beat them fifty percent of the time. Now, a team like we played the second, the second game, game Los Warriors, that's a team that ripped us apart last year. That is a team that has guys that have been playing out there for years. We're not going to. We're legitimately just not. I think gonna, we could beat them once. Out of full 10. team out of ten. Out of ten. I'd I have to. Know. We I, these these dudes Maybe. coming in. These new guys coming in have got to be something pretty special because those, those dudes they know what they're doing. Well, but like the we were only we, down yeah. five three until I, the last. Well, well, yeah. yeah, there there was, but you also have to notice what they were doing. They because they played a game right after us against a team that was another one of those like teams that has yeah. like the full uniforms and everything they didn't look like that same team against them they were doing they were doing different things so these guys have strategies they know they're playing against us they weren't trying to stretch out a lot of runs against us they they were they were stopping you know we were still picking the ball up off the fence and they were already have stopped so they weren't stretching a lot of stuff out on us they used us for batting practice yeah. Oh, okay. But <laughs> in, I, in the in the last inning, it was bad. I mean, I fell apart pitching. Like I'm here, I've five walks in that second game, yeah. not ex, not acceptable. But still, early in that game, right? They were not doing as much of that. that they, early in that game, they were game, doing they the were last playing. inning because they could they saw the writing on the they wall. Did. But, but I mean, but, I saw I saw them early early in the game. No, they were we were making plays, but they they weren't really they. So what they, so the strategy that these guys do that know that they can hit they, what they're going to do their goal you is you think they punked us? Well, no, no, no. It, it's not that. It, it's it's a strategy when it, it, when they know they can hit the ball and they can put the ball wherever they want to. They can just put the ball where you're not, and they just know how to do that. What they are going to do is try to load the bases and then hit a home run on you. And then they will do the same thing. They will dink and dunk you. And nobody homered against us yesterday, well, which is great. Well, no, we had two inside, inside the park. The parks. Yeah, 
which that's not good. <laughs> it's, you got you can't be having inside the park home runs it's on a big just field. Yeah, but I mean it's it should be a double, maybe a triple. Um, but that's the strategy that they will do is they they will hit the ball and they'll freeze guys on the base until they either get two on or or load the bases. And then they'll rip one to the fence or out and try to clear the bases, and that way you load up runs at one at in one thing. That's the strategy that those teams do when they know they can place the ball, or whatever. And I think that's what the Warriors were doing against us in that second game is kind of dink and dunk and get as many on base as they can, and then clear them, and then dink and dunk, get them all on base, and then clear them. Well, we will move on to next week and see how things go for the Thunder Chickens. We've got some fun coming your way here in just a moment. It's Wacky Wednesday. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Barry Blanchard. Coming up at the final hour, we're going to get wacky here in just a little bit with Tom Peavy. He's got some stories to share. We did this two or three weeks ago, and it was awesome. So we've got more uh, coming your way in just a matter of moments. So far on today's show, we've enjoyed conversations with Cole Pinkston and Kevin Ives. Again, the news here in the Auburn area today, the baseball team, Tom, their season came to a close last night, 11-1 to against Arkansas. But what a year it was for the Tigers. It, it was, yeah. And you're disappointed any time the season ends, but they they surpassed expectations. Uh, As we've mentioned numerous times, this was a team that was picked dead last in the West. And they had a great regular season. They had a phenomenal regional here at Auburn. First time they've hosted a regional here at Auburn since 2010. And just absolutely demolished the competition here and so that's one big huge thing uh that's going to be a big memory is that last home the last home memories of this team were that regional where the offense was just absolutely unconscious with the way they were hitting the ball unfortunately that offense was not able to carry over uh the same way into the super regionals they got enough and they were able to to win that game uh win two of those games out in oregon uh, against oregon state Got to the World Series. You get a win for the first time since 1997. Yes. First time since 97 you get a win out there in Omaha. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're, just, you're running up against a, a, an absolute buzzsaw in, in an Arkansas team that it was just doing some great things right now. And, just you know, you, you, you have a mistake here or there, and, and it kind of builds up. Uh, obviously, the bats just couldn't quite get it going against Arkansas. But uh, overall, it was a great season and a lot of great memories with uh, with that team this year. And really, you know, when you just look at what Butch Thompson is doing with that program, as we talked with with Kevin Ives, 
when you look at what Butch Thompson is doing with that program, you you really have to like the future, and you have to like the 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 uh, upward trend of this program because it, when he took over, it was one that was you know kind of trying to figure itself out. They they couldn't really seem to keep a coach there long enough to want to do anything, and uh, he he really it feels like Butch Thompson has his team on the on the right path, and I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for regionals, super regionals, and college World Series appearances as long as they have Butch Thompson there running that show. Additionally, we are now 26 hours away from the 2022 NBA draft. It's tomorrow at seven o'clock Central Time. Auburn hopes Jabari Smith will be the number one overall pick. The headman's basketball coach for Auburn, Bruce Pearl, had this to say on Jabari. The reason why he goes one and the reason why he's going to be an NBA All-Star is it is because the, of the mentality. You can't be that good a jump shooter without the mentality of uh, and the mental toughness to want the shot and to take the shot and to believe the shot's going in every time it leaves his hand. And it's the same, it's the same ball flight, it's the same rotation, it's the same every time every time he touches it. And that's what the great ones have. But but you're right. It is his combination of confidence, preparation, toughness, um, that just desire to be great. But just he just wants to win. Like like he is going to make Orlando win. Like Orlando's got really good pieces, really good coaching. They got really good front office. They got really good pieces. They need somebody to go in there and make them win. And he'll do that. Bruce Pearl went on to say that if he were to play for the Orlando Magic, he'd be teaming up with Chuma Okiki, and Coach Pearl believes it'd be a little easy for him to get a ticket, uh, considering Chuma and Jabari both starring now for the Magic. But uh, he's basically telling you, like, yep, he's number one. No doubt about it. Alabama's head coach actually even came out. you got to remember, he, he saw Auburn twice, and he saw Gonzaga, and... He came out and he said that Jabari would be his number one pick. That just from facing them, that Jabari is better than Holgram at uh, at, at Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty high praise when when your rival coach is saying, "Hey, look, I, I, you know, we had to play against both of them. And Jabari is better than Chet." Yeah, and I, and I do want to see Jabari go number one. I know that some have argued that there would be a better fit there with Oklahoma City at two, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. However, we always got to remember, if you're being picked this high in the draft, you're being picked in the first five or six, seven spots, all these teams are not any good right now. Uh, and you're just kind of picking – what young players you suppose are on a better trajectory at this moment and so when someone says something like OKC they see Shea Gilgis Alexander they see uh, Josh Giddy, and they see that OKC has a lot of draft picks in the next four or five years but that doesn't mean that Oklahoma City is in such a superior position to these other teams if Jabari Smith ends up being good. Because if Jabari Smith ends up being good, he will elevate the organization as a whole. And Orlando's had a lot of top draft picks here in recent years, and they were very disappointed with the performance of Jalen Suggs, but he was just a rookie. And so he's not a for sure bust in this league. Um, 
they really conversely liked Franz Wagner last year. Franz Wagner gave them something down low. He ended up really taking some minutes from Chuma Okiki as the season went along because they kind of both play that stretch four type of basketball. Uh, they also brought in Wendell Carter Jr., who is still not long ago a, a lottery pick and a high draft pick. So there's a lot of young players with all these teams. I think the bottom line is I want to see Jabari Smith be the first Auburn player to be taken first overall in the NBA draft. And I want to see uh, him be uh, in Orlando, a, a market that has had a couple runs at being really good in the history of their of their franchise in the 90s with Shaq and Penny Hardaway. And then, of course, what killed them is Shaq left them. And then uh, in the late 2000s with Dwight Howard. And, of course, what killed them was Dwight Howard left them. And so Orlando is not incapable of, of building this thing up. And so I want to see him go number one to Orlando. Also, I think that would be great for Auburn fans because that would be two trips to Atlanta each year as opposed to one if he went in the Western <laughs> Conference. And, uh, and you know, Orlando is a great destination to go to as it is. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I hope he goes number one overall. Uh, I, I know he's still favored to. I know some late money is going towards Bancaro getting back in the mix. Um, but, uh, but yeah, who, whoever he goes to, Jabari's not going to be the type of guy that you would say he'll be destined to be like the third best player on a team. Like Jabari's ceiling is to be the best player on a really good team. And that's why it was so exciting to watch at Auburn. And uh, that's why whoever drafts him is going to get somebody that in theory should project to be an all-star player in this league. We talk about Auburn basketball could have history being set tomorrow with Jabari Smith being the number one overall pick. A lot of people wondering what are you going to be doing when, when this takes place? Right. This is what Bruce Pearl will be doing. This is his Thursday game plan. I don't know whether I'll be there or not. I'll be I'll be in Brooklyn, but I don't really know that I I, I really I really want to watch them enjoy it, and 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 uh, I may or may not even be down there. Uh, I know I've been invited, but honestly, it's about them. It's about their family, and uh, I think I just I think I. I'll be with, with Jabari's family, and I'm going to be with Walker's family. And um, I'm just uh, – it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Obviously, going to be very emotional, but I, I don't, I, I'm going to think – I'm going to stay as far away from the camera as I can. Great news for Auburn men's basketball. Both Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler have accepted green room invites to be there. You've got to be invited to be there, and they both accepted their invitations, so they will get the opportunity to walk across the stage, shake the commissioner's hand, put on the cap of the team that has drafted them, and Bruce Pearl will be there. A reminder, two years ago, when Isaac Okoro went fifth overall, Bruce Pearl was in Atlanta at Okoro's party, but then left and pulled over on the side of I-85 near Noonan and his son Stephen Pearl filmed a video like in the dark remember and people were going what is Coach Pearl doing? He just wanted to give some draft congratulations and felt now we gotta pull over the car now (laughs) but uh, he's not gonna have that issue tomorrow he's actually gonna be there in Brooklyn yeah and I mentioned this earlier, but uh, I, I really want Jabari to go number one A for Jabari for the basketball program. I, obviously, that's a huge recruiting tool. Whenever you take these guys and you look at what the guys that have already gone to the NBA and now you have a number one pick. But the other thing is just for the simple historical fact that Auburn could become only the third team 
uh, to be able to lay claim to number one draft picks in the NFL, the MLB, and now the NBA if Jabari goes first. So, obviously in football, Cam Newton, uh, Andre Bruce, uh, there, and then Casey Mize went number one in the MLB draft, and now you could have Jabari go number one in the NBA draft. Only LSU and UCLA. Out of all the schools across the country, only LSU and UCLA can lay claim to that. And Auburn has a very good chance of doing that now. And I think that would just be really cool. Yeah, it would. And that was Bruce Pearl speaking with reporters. Here's a little bit more Pearl sound. You know, as you walk into our locker room, um, one of the very first things you see on the wall is make history. It's right in the middle of our AU logo. And we put that up years ago because... There has been great history and tradition of Auburn basketball. And I wanted the guys come to Auburn to try to add to that history. So winning championships like this team did in 2022 is historical. Being number one in the country and, quite frankly, being the best team in college basketball for about a month uh, or maybe even a month and a half during January and mid-February is historical. And then getting Jabari Walker to go in the first round, if that indeed happens, which I believe it will, um, you know, Jabari hopefully goes one and Walker hopefully goes in the late teens or early 20s. Um, man, it's just, uh, it's it's what we're here to do. We're here to win championships and we're here to get the guys from here to there at Auburn. That's what our job is. <laughs> and there's no better way of getting from here to there than to win a championship and get drafted and sign a contract and, um, those guys are humble. They're hungry. They're both incredibly hardworking. Um, and they both love Auburn. And they love their time here at Auburn. And they're both going to be great ambassadors, you know, for Auburn. They both did it the right way. They both just on a regular basis did the things that God might bless on a consistent basis. They're great teammates. They wanted to win championships, and they did. That was Bruce Pearl on What If. Jabari Smith goes number one. What if Walker Kessler is a top 20 draft pick if they had two draft selections? I mean, Barry Alberman's basketball, they're becoming something. Oh, thank you. Here I am. Yeah, I was just thinking about the fact of the, the biggest thing I saw just from this team and those players in particular is how they galvanized the campus. Like, I would go out and I would see people like you, the basketball fans, they were far and wide. It would be the girls, they would be reciting the stats to me and telling me the yeah. history behind that. I'd be like, wow, you are really into this. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway from all this is the fact that like Bruce said like they love Auburn and they did things the right way and they got everybody behind them and that's what added to the excitement of the season was everybody like the the line when they were just going out and giving out pizza when people were like <laughs> lined up overnight just to get into that Kentucky game and it's just it, it's, it's exciting you know you're creating memories you're creating like lasting lifelong memories where people could come back years later and be like this was the time and this is what happened then so just those moments right there from that basketball season and from what they were able to accomplish together, that's what's going to really carry on and move forward here on this campus. Just under 26 hours away from the NBA draft again tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Ben Golliver of the Washington Post will stop by to preview all things NBA. Good audio there from Bruce Pearl. Let's take a break. We get wacky after this. It's a Wacky Wednesday on Sports Call. us on Twitter. 
Eaters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, JJ, Tom, Ryan, and Barry. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android. Tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap Skills and Games. Search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill. Tap Enable to Use. You're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. All right, it's Wacky Wednesday. Tom, what are we doing today? Well, we have some more stories to read. All right. Story time. and This, this is, is the, the second time we've done this. That's right. Uh, it, and it's one of those uh, truth, sometimes truth is stranger than fiction type deals. Uh, and so I've got some, I've got four stories here. Uh, we're going to start off with one that's more on the horror side of things. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I need to preface this. I do get these stories from uh, a website. There's a guy named Mr. Ballin that has a YouTube channel uh-huh. and a TikTok and all that. These are true stories. These are confirmed true stories. Uh, so, but I also want to mention that I do get these from that, so I'm not plagiarizing yeah. something. So, but we're going to start off with this one on the horror side, and it's called the Pinching Man. Are you from? You ready, JJ? I'm not ready. But, uh, <laughs> just title alone, Barry. What are your expectations? Some creepy like old man. Just, <laughs> the Pinching Man. The Pinching Man. All right. Well, here we go. In 2014, a woman named Jen was at her sister's house looking out the back window at her son playing outside with her two nephews when one of the nephews walked over to a tree and began pulling the bark off the tree. For Jen, this brought back a strange childhood memory which caused her to blurt out the words, so weird. Jen's Jen's mom in the other room heard this and wanted to know what was weird. Jen, though, said it was nothing, but her mom had already come into the room and saw Jen was looking outside at the kids playing. Jen's mom continued to inquire what was weird and was concerned the kids outside were doing something Jen thought was bad. Jen then explained she saw her nephew doing something that brought back a weird memory, but it was no big deal. Jen's mom, now even more curious, wanted to know what this memory was Jen was having. So Jen explained, I don't know if Frankie's mom ever told you this, but when I was around eight years old, I had spoken to Frankie and he was doing homework. He told me to come over, and when he got done with homework, we could go out and play together. So I walked over to his house and was standing across from the house near the little set of trees we called the Pinecone Forest, and I was, for some reason, peeling the bark off of one of the trees. As I was peeling the bark off, I noticed a guy to the right of me walking toward me through the woods. I'd never seen him before, and before he could even really get close to me, I could smell the strong smell of cigarettes, and he had yellow and missing teeth. I also noticed he had these pointy yellow fingernails that looked like he was almost intentionally cutting them into a point. He comes walking up to me, gets right into my personal space, but instead of looking at me, he just stares at the tree where I had peeled the bark off. He turns to me and says, what do you think you're doing? I leaned away from the guy and say, um, waiting on my friend? And he says, pointing to the bear spot, no, what are you doing to the tree? Very scared, I said, uh, peeling the bark off the tree? 
At that point, he took his pointy fingernails, grabbed me by the arm, pinching my skin, and through gritted teeth said, how would you like it if somebody peeled your skin off? I was so terrified that I just stood there looking at the guy when Frankie's mom came out and said, hey, come on in. Frankie's done with his homework. That broke me out of this trance I was in, so I pulled my arm away and ran towards Frankie's mom and into the house. I wanted to tell you about this, but I just never did, and as the years went on, I just forgot all about it until I saw the kids outside pulling the bark off the tree, and it brought that memory back. Jen noticed her mom looked very concerned, and she said to her, hey, it's, it's no big deal. That was a long time ago. It's just not that big of a deal. Jen's mom still had this look of concern and finally spoke up. She told Jen, I should have told you this a long time ago when it happened, but you were so young and I didn't want it to destroy your childhood, but I guess you need to hear the full story on who that man was. Jen, her mom, Jen and her mom sat down and Jen, Jen's mom began to speak. You know how in our neighborhood, everyone seemed to know each other. It was very tight knit. Jen said, yeah. Jen's mom said, well, because of that, it made it very easy to spot people who were outsiders, people that weren't from the neighborhood. So if a car came down the street I didn't recognize, I'd watch it to see where it went. Many other mothers did the same thing, including Frankie's mom. So on that day, when that creepy man came up to you, Frankie's mom had noticed a white work van parked in a weird spot across from her house. She kept an eye on it, but never saw anyone get in it or out of it. She was going to call the police and report it, but she just decided to keep an eye on it for, for a time. Then suddenly, she saw a guy burst out of the back doors of the van and start walking to the woods. Because you were standing off to the right, Frankie's mom could not see that you were standing out there. But when she moved over to another window to see where this man went, she saw you standing there next to the tree. She watched as this man came up to you, talked to you, and pinched you on the arm. She immediately went outside and called out to you that Frankie was done with his homework to get you away from that man. She tried to be very natural so as not to scare you or to startle the man. When you got inside, she sent you to play with Frankie. She went around and locked all the doors and called me. We both decided the police needed to be called. The police showed up and quickly found the van. They pulled up, went to the van, and found a man sitting in it that matched the description. The guy was acting weird like he was on drugs or drunk. Something was just off with him, so that made him so they made him step out and they searched his van. Inside the driver's compartment of the van, they found nothing more than cigarettes and some trash, but there was a partition behind the front two seats that blocked off the back workspace of the van. The police walked around to the back and noticed the guy had put a bracket and a padlock over the back two doors of the van. The police said they needed to search the back. The guy at first was very defensive and uncooperative, but eventually relented and handed the officers a key ring with two distinct keys. He used the keys to unlock the, pad, the uh, padlock. He then unlocked the doors, opened the two doors, and backed up. The police were shocked at what they found. Inside the van, all over every surface, the floors, the walls, the ceiling, were pictures of you. They weren't just recent pictures of you. They were pictures of you when you were six years old, and you were eight at this time, so we know he had been watching you for at least two years. Also found in there were binoculars and a camera, which we assume were used to watch you and to take pictures. But it got worse. After his arrest, police asked the man about the other strange key on his key reading that didn't seem to match anything. The man said it was to his storage locker. Police tracked down the storage locker, opened it, and what they found was straight out of a horror movie. The entire storage locker, the floor, the ceiling, and the walls were completely covered in clear plastic wrap. Behind the plastic wrap were hundreds more pictures of you. 
and in the middle of the locker was a dentist chair anchored to the floor. Next to the chair was a silver tray like you'd see in a dentist's office, but it was loaded with all these knives, but they weren't surgical knives. They were like meat cleavers and hunting knives and saws and all these just odd implements. Next to that was an anatomy book where he had used printouts of you to mark different parts of the book he was highlighting that dealt with the female anatomy. At the back was a rotted mattress on the ground and anchored to the wall on the back were chains with handcuffs extending off of them. And next to that were dozens of empty five gallon drums. Because of how awful the evidence was and all the pictures the police took of that death chamber, we just couldn't imagine someone taking advantage of you like that. He clearly had a plan for you. Jen was a mix of angry at her mom and and sad that her mom had to go through that with her child. But Jen, being a mom now herself, understood how awful it was on her mom, and they embraced. After the embrace, Jen asked whatever happened to this man. Jen's mom said the man had pled guilty to stalking Jen and admitted all the evidence found belonged to him. However, the man never gave a true motive or what his intentions were. He was put into a high-security mental institution for the criminally insane, but Jen's mom didn't know if he was still alive or had been moved to a different facility. Jen did some research and eventually found where the man was being held. She asked to have a meeting with him because she wanted to ask him to his face, what were you planning to do to me and why? The man agreed to the meeting, but a day before the meeting, the man took his own life. And so Jen never got a chance to find out what this man's true motives were. That's the end of the story? Oh my gosh! I I was listening to every single word of that thing. Well, I just I'm just so confused. First of all, I don't think if I was a mom, I just ever told my my child that. Like I just like took that one with me. Then I'm like, why would you want to meet the man? He obviously was going to peel your skin off. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, what was your plan? How would you like it if your skin was peeled off? Yeah, like I mean, there's there's no more. Get out of here. the, The fact that the dude had been like taking pictures of this girl for multiple years. Yeah, and they hadn't really noticed the white van before, right? I know what the motive was. (laughs) It was not good. That's what it was, right? Though, like they made the point that they were very observant, and all of a sudden this white van pops up. So we're going to get a little bit more on top of things. But clearly, you weren't for two years if he's got all these pictures from over those years. I guess that was about to be the day. It's like I'm about to do it. Oh no! Like. That was that was the time. Whenever she got isolated, or yeah. well, it may have been that time. But Frankie's mom just happened to Shout see her out outside Frankie's and mom. was like, "Oh gosh, I need to get her away from this dude." Took his own life before the meeting. Yeah, it agreed to the meeting. If that story had before. continued uh, and was <laughs> continuously a horror movie, he would have broken out of the asylum. Oh, and yeah. a chase would have begun. And <laughs> hopefully, but see uh, again, these are true stories, so it doesn't necessarily. They don't necessarily have to end. Like a horror movie would happen because, I mean, this is actually true life. So, you ready for another one? Let's go. All right. Shout out, Jen. This one is is called Voices. And a note here, uh, again, from Mr. Bond states, all right, so this story comes from a 1997 British Medical Journal article written by the psychiatrist who treated the patient who was the focal point of this story. Okay. All right. And the reason they put that in is because this story sounds absolutely fake. There's no way this could possibly happen, but this story was written in a, in a medical journal by the psychiatrist who handled this patient. You ready? Here we go. All right. One night in the winter of 1984, 
A healthy middle-aged woman, we'll call Brenda, was at her home in London reading a book when she suddenly heard a voice in her head. The voice said, please don't be afraid. I know this must be shocking for you to hear me speaking to you like this, but this was the easiest way I could think of. My friend and I used to work at the children's hospital, and we'd like to help you. Brenda couldn't believe what was happening because she had never heard voices in her head before, and this voice that was speaking to her was so clear, and it didn't sound like a voice she had ever heard before. At first, Brenda just sat on her couch and didn't do anything, just waiting, hoping she was imagining this. But the voice seemed to pick up on this reaction and spoke again, saying, Brenda, this is not a hallucination. We are real, and we want to help you. Brenda did not think this was real. She thought she had just lost her mind. She spent the rest of the night ignoring the voices she had heard, and the next morning she went straight to her doctor and said, please help me. The doctor referred her to a psychiatrist, and so she went to that office, and after an evaluation, the doctors told her they couldn't figure out any reason why she would be hearing voices. There was no clear medical explanation for why. Brenda, Brenda was diagnosed with something called functional hallucinatory psychosis, which basically means Brenda was hallucinating, but there was no clear reason why. Psychiatrists began treating Brenda with an antipsychotic drug and supportive counseling. Over the next couple of weeks, Brenda dil diligently took her medications and went to her appointments, and the voices eventually stopped. Brenda went to her psychiatrist and was very thankful for saving her, saying she was so happy and the voices were gone. The psychiatrist later noted how visibly relieved Brenda was and that she was obviously not making this up. She really believed she had had these voices and now they were gone. After Brenda left the office, she went on vacation with her family outside of London to celebrate her recovery and the fact that she had not actually lost her mind. But while on vacation, she began hearing the voices again, and this time they were telling her she had to get back to London as soon as possible because there was something terribly wrong with her. The voices gave Brenda a very specific street address that she was supposed to go to and seek treatment. Brenda is now horrified because the voices are back in the first place, but also because there may be something that to these voices are saying, and maybe there's something that really is wrong with her. Brenda goes back to her husband and explains what happened. The husband, very assuring, told her just ignore the voices and enjoy the vacation. But Brenda could not ignore these voices because they were constantly telling her, you need to leave, you need to get back because there is something wrong with you. So finally, Brenda convinced her family to end the vacation early, and they returned to London. As soon as they were back, Brenda made her husband come with her, and they drove to this specific address that the voices had given her. When they arrived at this very specific address the voices had directed her to, Brenda and her husband found themselves standing outside of a brain scan unit of a London hospital. Brenda and her husband were totally shocked, but before they could react to what they were looking at, the voices spoke to Brenda again and said, you need to go inside and you need to request a brain scan for two reasons. One, there's a tumor inside of your brain, and two, this tumor is causing your brain stem to swell. Brenda, now terrified of what the voices were saying to her, and despite what her husband was saying, she went straight into the brain scan unit and requested this scan. When the doctors asked Brenda what doctor had referred her to them, she admitted she didn't have a doctor that referred her to and said, well, I mean, you know, there's these voices in my head that told me to come here. The doctors were not totally like, you know, hey, get out of here, but they very calmly explained how expensive the procedure was and that they can't just let you get a brain scan because the voices said so. Uh, we have to have a clinical reason to do it, and the doctors, uh, you know, we need a doctor to tell you you need this scan. So they turned Brenda away. 
Brenda was a complete wreck, and she ended up calling her psychiatrist and explaining the voices had come back, and they sent her to this scan unit and told her she had to have this scan. And after a few minutes, the psychiatrist calmed Brenda and said, all right, listen, I'll call over there and I'll get you the brain scan because I want you to be at ease, and this seems like this is the only way that this is going to happen. After the conversation, the psychiatrist got in touch with the hospital, spoke to the doctors there, and got the brain scan set up for Brenda. About a month later, Brenda went to her scheduled appointment, got the brain scan, and sure enough, Brenda had a brain tumor, and it was causing swelling on her brain stem. The doctors were stunned because Brenda was not showing any symptoms of having this condition. So they told her, you can wait and see what happens. It might not have any effect on you, or we can go in and remove the tumor. But doing brain surgery comes with some major risks. After discussing things with her family, Brenda decided to go with the immediate surgery. And after telling the doctors her decision, the voices came back and told Brenda she had made the right decision. A few days later, Brenda went in, and her surgery was a huge success. When she regained consciousness in the recovery room, the voices spoke to her and said, We are pleased to have helped you. Goodbye. After that, Brenda never heard the voices again, and she never had any complications from the surgery or the tumor. To this day, the medical community still has no idea who the voices really were in her head. Wow. (laughs) So. Wow. I don't know if you guys recognize it that sounded just like a story tom read a month ago yeah that it, was the uh the one with the um oh goodness i i remember the story you're talking it was about. not this it was not the exact same but it involved right. voices and involved a an address that they were not aware right. of and like that that was more detailed than the other one because like i don't remember her being on vacation or something right but, but I, I, I vividly remember something along those lines um, and one of the one of the other stories. I'm trying to recall. I, uh, Fascinating. I, I, didn't read I, mean, the, I didn't read this one yeah, last, yeah. last time. Did no, I? like th- this had a few differences and like the, the goodbye comment was not made on the other <laughs> goodbye. one. But I vividly remember I vividly remember something that was essentially like that. Man, that's good. That's crazy. Shout out to the voices. Shout out to the voices, for sure. Saving lives. All right. What do we got next? All right. This is the story of... But wait, you asked. So it's like, do you believe it? Do you think that happened? Uh, The psychiatrist who took care of her says, hey, look, this happened. I I mean, there's no way to prove it because, I mean, it's her. It's her voices. But, I mean, the psychiatrist that worked with her wrote a medical journal article saying... This legitimately happened. I mean, we don't know what these voices were. How the thing is, how would she have ever known the address? That was weird. They gave her a specific address. She just shows up to the address because the voices told her to, and it's a brain scan unit. And they tell her, "Hey, you have a brain tumor, and it's causing swelling." She goes in and gets a scan, and she has a brain tumor and swelling because these voices told her that's what she had. It's like a reverse Ouija board. I mean, that's just—it's bizarre, <laughs> pretty bizarre. All right, so now this is the story of William. What up, Will? All right. In 1971, a 19-year-old Irishman named William began studying physics and computer science at a college in Belfast, Northern Ireland. While he was smart enough to complete his four-year degree, after a year, he decided this just wasn't the path he wanted to take. So he moved back to his hometown north of Belfast, where he got a job as a forklift driver and a truck driver for the Guinness Beer Factory. And while he loved these jobs, for William, it just wasn't the path that he wanted to take. He needed to do more with his life. 
So William decided to pursue what two of his siblings had gone on to do, which was to become a school teacher. And he'd always idolized his former teachers and his two siblings who had become teachers. So this felt like the right fit. William applied to a four-year teaching college in Newcastle in England, and after getting accepted, he flew to England, got set up, and began his studies. The first year was great, and he loved what he was doing, and he felt like this was the right fit. He was getting good grades, and he just felt like everything was going to plan. But year two happened, and everything went off the rails. A requirement to graduate from this four-year teaching college was that all aspiring teachers, starting in their second year, had to go and teach real students real lessons. They had to go to a high school, an elementary school, or whatever, and fill in for the real teachers and give a real lesson. And they were scored on how well they gave these lessons. But all the aspiring teachers knew that when you gave these real lessons to these real students, what actually happened was the students didn't take the aspiring teachers seriously. They viewed them like substitute teachers and didn't respect them. The real lessons only turned into the aspiring teachers desperately trying to calm down their pupils just long enough to get them to listen to their lesson plan for just one minute, but it normally didn't work out, and before long, the day was over and nothing was really accomplished. So in William's second year, when it was time for him to go to a high school to give his lesson plan, he knew what he was going up against. He did not expect it to go well, but he decided to go in with a positive attitude and try to do his best. But as soon as William walked into the classroom, he could immediately tell he was going to be overwhelmed. Everyone's standing up and talking amongst themselves, and they turn around and they see William walking in, and they have this moment of realization that their real teacher is not going to be teaching them. It's going to be this substitute, William. And they all began gleefully laughing and joking, and they turned their backs on William and continued talking amongst themselves. William went over, sat his stuff down at the desk, and attempted to get the class listening to him by saying, Hey, everyone, sit down. I'm your teacher for the day. But the kids were not listening. So finally, William, who was a big guy, he's six foot four and in great shape, kind of postures himself and yells out, Sit down right now. The kids turned around, looked at William, kind of sized him up, and most of them decided, Yeah, it's probably time to sit down. So the entire quietly sits down except for one one kid a 15 year old boy at the back of the room he was standing up defiant with his arms crossed staring at william with a smirk on his face all of his little cronies sitting around him they were looking up at, at, at them and at william kind of laughing knowing a confrontation was about to ensue so william is starting so william is staring at this kid trying to get him to sit down without saying anything and this kid just to, continues to mean mug william William walks over to the kid, leans in and says, you need to go out in the hallway right now and I'll meet you out there. And William begins to walk to the front, expecting this has worked on the kid. When William turns back around, expecting the kid to be following him out to the hallway, the kid was still standing there, arms crossed, staring at William, basically saying, make me. At this, William lost his mind. He was so mad and so frustrated at how unbelievably disrespectful this kid was being, and really the whole class, that he just kind of lost it. William ran right up to this kid in the back of the class, got right up in his face. Remember, William's six foot four. He's a big guy. He gets right up in this kid's face and he yells, get out in the hall right now. And this kid doesn't flinch. He simply reaches into his pocket and pulls out a knife and holds it right up against William. 
and without any hesitation, William just winds up and blasts this kid across the side of the head, sending this kid flying over a student sitting in a desk. The kid crumples to the floor, and when he gets up, he drops the knife, and he's like, okay, okay, I'll go out in the hallway. And William keeps screaming, go, go right now, out into the hallway. Kid runs out of the classroom into the hallway, and the rest of the students are just sitting there, quiet, stunned at what happened. They won't even look up at William. They're just staring at their desk. But William walks back to the front of the class and continues to teach his lesson. As soon as the high school learned that this aspiring teacher, William, had basically just knocked out one of their students, even though it seemed like it might have been a little bit deserved, they immediately told the teacher's college, and the teacher's college immediately expelled William. So now William is suddenly jobless and kind of trying to figure out what to do. So he goes back home to Northern Ireland and begins thinking about what his next move would be. And he keeps having this thought that he should pursue this thing he had always been interested in, but never took it seriously. It felt very risky, but right now everything had fallen apart, so he had nothing to lose. So William decided to do the thing he'd always wanted to do, and that was stage acting. So he went and auditioned with a local theater company in Belfast and was accepted into this theater troupe. And four years later, he was discovered performing on stage by a Hollywood film director, and they cast him in a movie. And the rest, as they say, is history. William Neeson, better known as Liam Neeson, would go on to star in dozens of movies and TV shows. One of his more well-known roles is the movie Taken, where Liam plays a CIA operative with specific skill sets. And in this movie, he punches a lot of people in the face, just like he did when he was a teacher. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> we had a little I origin mean, he had story a knife last time. Pulled. I mean, he had yeah. a knife yeah. pulled on him. I mean, uh, I'm not saying you can smack the kid, but like... No, he did the right thing. It's about to get hairy there. Yeah, I, I I think it's um it's a beautiful love. Whose story. origin story did we have last time? Harrison Ford. That's Harrison right, Harrison Ford. Ford. That was good. That was good. Hey, we want to get a phone call in here. Someone wants to make a comment or two three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Joining us on the program right now, Michael from Auburn. Michael from Auburn has called into the program. What's up, Michael? Hey guys. Uh, so back in the day, or I say back in the day, probably about ten years ago, like Capital One did a Capital Cup challenge. That I want to say like towards the end of the year. I don't know if they still do it, or I haven't heard it advertised. But like the school with like the most like accumulative like national champions and and, and things like that, like the best for the year athletic department like they were awarded this trophy i don't know if they still do that or not but y'all remember that at all because i remember florida and stanford seemed to dominated it yeah no i absolutely remember that for sure i don't know if they still do it though i haven't heard of that in quite some time i really haven't but i would think auburn would be pretty high uh i would think with baseball and football and 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 maybe not football but baseball and basketball and, and some other sports as well i would think they would they would be pretty high but uh on a wacky wednesday i'll give you some homework because i know you're kind of running out of time but i am ken there used to be a book it was a 13 ghost of alabama it's true stories just ghost stories but i am kin to one of the ghosts uh that is mentioned in in that book his name is norman stables but he was a steamboat captain on the tom bigby um if you have time to look that story up uh that would be a great wacky wednesday uh story for you but uh just look that name up norman staples uh or the, the we're gonna the do ghost, that yeah but the ghost of alabama but uh i'm i'm, I'm he's he's like a great 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 
uncle or something like that. But uh, you can look that story up. It is pretty cool. What have you thought of these stories so far today? Pretty good. Pretty good. I, I, I'm, I'm like y'all. It's on the tip of my tongue. But I want to say the one he read is not duplicate, but it had similar uh, characteristics to one that he read about a month ago. And I can't remember exactly how that story went as well. But but I know it was uh It did feel similar. similar so. Yeah. I'm trying to re- I'm trying to remember which one that was. I'll have to do some research. No. Yeah. Michael, good to hear from you, buddy. You too, guys. All right. Have a good one. That's up. Michael from Auburn joining us on the program. One more. Last right. one. Last one. Just about four or five minutes left in the show, so we'll, we'll make right. it quick. All right. This is the amazing story of Conrad Ruland. Oh. Conrad. All right. Any of y'all familiar with Conrad Ruland? No. Should I be? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. All right. Conrad Ruland was born on April the 4th, 1987 in Springfield, Ohio. Athletics quickly became a big interest for Conrad, and he was playing baseball, basketball, soccer, and tennis by the age of four. By the time Conrad was 11, his family had relocated to California, and he had become a very talented all-around athlete. It was around this time that Conrad's school was going to host a special speaker. The speaker was Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Rod Carew. Carew's words of encouragement to the assembled students lit a fire inside Conrad, and from that point, Conrad decided that he was going to be a professional athlete. This wasn't just a passing fancy of a young, impressionable child. Ron Carew's words really affected Conrad. The words were enough to where Conrad was prepared to dedicate himself to reaching the goal of becoming a pro athlete. A naturally big kid, basketball seemed to be the main interest. Conrad attended Mater D High School in Santa Ana, where he helped their basketball team to the California Interscholastic Federation Southern Section and State Championships as a freshman. Before his sophomore year, he transferred to Mission Viejo High School, where he continued to play basketball. Conrad Conrad also began playing football. Football became Conrad's love, and he was really good. In his time at Mission Viejo, he helped lead his team to a 39-2 record. His play at tight end caught the eye of plenty of colleges, and Conrad ultimately signed with Notre Dame, where he played in 2006 and 2007. He then transferred to Stanford in 2008, sat out a transfer year, and then played in 13 games for the Cardinal in 2010. Conrad signed as an undrafted free agent with the 49ers in 2011 and was eventually claimed on waivers by the New York Jets in 2012, where he had 11 receptions for 83 yards. His dreams of becoming a professional athlete had come true. Conrad would eventually become a member of the Indianapolis Colts, the Baltimore Ravens, and then back to Indianapolis. During the 2016 offseason, Conrad was back home in California at his parents' house. He was filling out a driver's license renewal when it got to the part that asked him about becoming an organ donor. Conrad asked his mom if she was an organ donor, to which she answered yes. Conrad then said that he would be an organ donor too. A few months later, Conrad was working out in a local gym to prepare for the upcoming season when he developed a sudden and severely painful headache. He called his mom and said he felt a distinct click in his head and had the sudden blinding pain behind his left eye. His mom told him he needed to go to the hospital, and later that day, Conrad went to the UCLA Medical Center. Doctors quickly diagnosed Conrad with a brain aneurysm. If the aneurysm bursts, it's fatal in nearly 50% of the time. Those who survive suffer significant lifelong neurological damage. Even with a bad prognosis, Conrad remained positive and vowed that he would not let this stop his dreams. However, four days later, the aneurysm burst and Conrad never regained consciousness. Conrad Ruland was just 29 years old. Because Conrad was an organ donor, doctors kept him on life support so they could contact organ recipients at the top of the donor list and let them know a donor was available. One of those was a man in his 70s who a year earlier had suffered a massive heart attack and desperately needed a new heart and a kidney. 
Happily surprised by the news they received, the man and his wife quickly drove to the UCLA Medical Center. Both were overcome with emotion, knowing that his life was going to be saved. Doctors prepared the man for surgery, and a short time later, word came back that the, trans- that the transplant had been a success. The man had a new heart and a new kidney, thanks to Conrad's selfless decision that day that he renewed his driver's license. The two families bonded over their new connection. Because the two families live so close, Conrad's mom is frequently invited over where she's able to hear her son's heart continuing to beat. But the story doesn't end there. The man who received Conrad's heart and kidney in that life-saving operation was none other than Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Rod Carew, Conrad's childhood hero whose words had pushed him to get to, to get a, dedicate himself to becoming a professional athlete. And so uh, that's awesome. With with that story, they there was no they had no idea um, when Rod Carew received the transplant, he had no idea who the donor was. And some of Conrad's family and friends started contacting the mom and the dad saying, hey, look, this might be the case here because the news out there is Rod Carew just had this surgery and that he received a transplant in a heart and a kidney from a 29-year-old male. And he's like, Conrad was 29. He was literally, you know, fits the timeline. And so then they found out that Conrad's organs were donated to Rod Carew. And so then uh, the families have now become best friends and so they hang out with rod carew and she's actually able to hear conrad's heartbeat so yeah the guy that was conrad's childhood hero and convinced him to go on to be a professional athlete ultimately ended up getting conrad's organs to save his life how cool is that that's eerie cool i don't know it's just like whoa Yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot of there, fun. There's a there's a video uh, out there you can look it up on YouTube, and it it's an interview with Rod Carew and Conrad Rulin's mom, uh, and they just talk about that whole story and everything. And man, it just gives you chills. Love it. That's re- a good I, way. Yeah, I let Michelle listen to that one. And she was pretty much in tears <laughs> at the end of that one. That is a uh, a good way to end Wacky Wednesday. True stories. Sometimes they're better than uh, fiction. Truth, they say. truth is sometimes stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction. That's what I was looking for. Tom, we'll see you on Monday. Thanks for being here. Enjoyed it. Ryan LaVoy, we'll see you later in the week. See you soon. Barry, thanks for stopping by, man. Always. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again to Cole Pinkston and Kevin Ives for joining us on today's program. Alongside Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Barry Blanchard, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.